thank you all for being here for this episode of Coming Home with John Allen. Today I'm talking with my good friend and brother, Derek DeBono. Here's his album. Check it out. You can't mistake it for anything else. It's some rather unique artwork. He's a rather unique man. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. We talk a lot about music, and music is life, isn't it? So that means we talk a lot about life. Check this out. This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. You don't have the typical American in Norway existence. Yeah, no, I've. Uh, it's uh, you're just you're a little yeah. you're a little different situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slowly made it more further north. I went from uh, from <laughs> Amst- from uh, from Atlanta to Amsterdam. And then uh, I was there for 16 years. You born years. in Atlanta, right? Uh, well, I was born in Florida, so I was even oh, further really? south. Okay. Yeah, so, but only lived there until I was about two. But, so uh, you're, you're, Atlanta's in your blood. Yeah, Georgia's Atlanta, in your yeah, blood. Georgia, um, yeah, really. From, Which brings us to the name of your album. Yes, yes. Uh, do you say, is it, is it, do you say G-A? No, I say when songs you, in Georgia. But it, you just shorten it to yeah, because that's yeah. the abbreviation for Georgia. Yeah, right. But I had a Norwegian say "songs in God." Songs in like, God. <laughs> I was like, not quite, but uh, <laughs> I'll take you know whatever. Um, did you uh, did you do all of that work in Georgia, or was some of it tracked in no um, different places? <laughs> did you do any of it in Georgia? No, not a single bit. Um, because that well, has that has American country americana all over it that's funny yeah and it, it just has this feeling like th- this had to have been tracked in, in atlanta yeah but no, no no funny enough uh i call it songs in georgia because it's so it started but i watched i'm a big jackson brown fan um oh i mean who isn't yes uh i wouldn't say i'm a huge fan but i'm a huge admirer of jackson brown i love a songwriting great yeah i mean uh yes um and i heard him say on I think his last album, somebody interviewed him, and he said, "Yeah, most of the songs are in G or A. I think or because A." Because I thought of that, okay. and I was that <laughs> explains a few things. Okay, yeah, gotcha. and uh, and I was like, <laughs> "You can do that." Um, so uh, so I was like, "Well, if he can do it, not that I'm anywhere near him, then I'm going to do it too." And and because I'm a drummer, uh, I'll, oh, you know, you I don't know all the chord progressions off the top of my head, so I had tons of songs. Do you read? music uh very slowly uh drum, like most you know I've, I've learned to read i took theory um i studied music in in university but more african hand percussion um oh, interesting. and uh and like timpanese which okay there's only a few notes right so you just go okay this is the high one this is the low one but boom boom and but you can the yeah. rudiments of music yeah but i know how to read it slowly yeah yeah. And chord progressions and stuff, but gosh, uh, I wish I would have stuck with yeah. that. I took a uh, class when uh, when I was in college, and I ended up dropping it. It just didn't fit, and it's I wish. It's hard too. Well, I think from the very first day, I, I realized how behind I was. The class was full of people who were already there. They were mm-hmm. already musicians, already doing it. And I was just trying to learn at that time. Yeah. 18 years old and interested, whereas these people were 18, 19 years old and already in it, and they just yeah. needed to formalize it yeah. through, through a college course. Yeah. So, uh, um, no, the, the, that whole thing with theory versus from the heart or a mixture of from the heart plus theory, I don't think it means too much. You know, if you're hitting it and you like it and there's a groove and other people like it, mission accomplished. I don't yeah. think you need to be, you don't need to, it helps, but I, it, it, you don't, it can certainly help when you're composing, coming yeah. up with new stuff. But, um, 
for the for the for the actual uh, uh, laying down of the feeling of the groove. That's from the heart. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I, all the songs are in G or A, uh, except one song, and I wrote that. It's in C. Uh, it's uh, day two of ten at Ramada Inn, and I actually wrote wrote that song in Georgia while I was uh, okay. I, w- I went back when COVID, the world kind of opened up. And my because the album came out this year, correct? Yeah, twenty three. Took me yeah. a few years. Uh, yeah. There's a song called Forties Coming On Strong," so <laughs> it's I'm about three years behind on two years behind on releasing the album. Uh, but uh, so I wrote that song in C. In, in a Ramada Inn, uh, they put me in there. I was coming back to Amsterdam. I flew over to Atlanta. My dad said, we got like six gigs. Um, can you come over for a few weeks? So I went over, played some gigs with him. And then when I was getting on the plane to come back to Amsterdam, they said, you have COVID. Oh, gosh. And they said, uh, you got to go into this hotel um, for 10 days. That's right, the isolation so, time yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. So, yeah. so that's where I wrote it. And uh I'm sure I'll get a phone call from Ramada Inn on that one. What are, what are Ramada Inns like these days? Because I know, I haven't seen a Ramada Inn in 20 years. Me either. But. And I thought, like, hey, that seems nice. <laughs> nope. Uh, it, it was still it the was Ramada back. Inn that I remember. Oh, uh, yeah. It's probably worse. Um, Rent the room by the hour and uh, <laughs> hope for the it best. Was scary. They said I was the only person in the hotel for a while. Oh. Um, they were like, you're getting the treatment. Um, but yeah, it was an experience. Uh, and then if you listen to that song, you can understand everything. It's, it's a true story, maybe. I don't know if uh, I can get in trouble from well, Ramada, but, well, I have but to it's say, a true story. I have to say to everybody who's watching or listening, check out that album, Songs in GA. Thank you. Songs yeah. in Georgia, yeah, Songs thanks. in GA. It's a, it's a cool album. My favorite is uh, 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 Kudzo King. Thank you. I, I that's love. A be, best that's a, there's I a good story. There's a good story in there, man. Yeah, it's a true story, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell us. Uh, when I, I went back for a little tour years ago, uh, for two weeks, I rented a van, camper van, and just drove around the south doing gigs. And I wrote oh, that's that my dream. from. Yeah, so it was fun. Go uh, home, rent a camper, and just mm-hmm. drive. And just. Uh, East Coast doesn't have as much beautiful campsites as uh, West Coast. Not East even Coast, in the Smoky Mountains, Blue Ridge. Come on, I was now. up there. I know, man. Uh, but you go to like these. I didn't plan it well, so I didn't realize you had to have reservations in some of these. So I yes, went to some of, of these course, Good yeah. Sam, I think it's called, little places. I mean, that was kind of cool. Sam, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you wake up in a little bit of the forest, but mostly you're sleeping in kind of parking lots. Okay, yeah. Uh, which wasn't really great, but you know, it was fun. And, and there's a few times modern we, camping. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, you know, it's not like Norway or California where you can just cruise right. up and then park on the side of a cliff and. There's um, a lot of YouTubers that are filming that camper life, van life, mm-hmm. and. You get far enough west. Yeah, parking in a so-called parking lot is camping because you're you're there, and then there's nothing around you. Yeah. You go to some of these places in California, man, up in the up in the mountains. Of course, we're not talking about Los Angeles. Nobody no. wants to go camping. <laughs> you can camp there. <laughs> but you get up. You get up in the mountains in some of those rural parts, man. I was a truck driver for about eighteen months after I was done in the Marines, and. Some of these places, people don't realize, even we Americans may not realize how beautiful and wide yeah, open and remote some of these places are. Yeah, you know, you get out there in a camper or something and just, just drive. Don't have a destination in mind. Just drive and yeah. see what's out there, man. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we still saw some beautiful spots. Asheville was really cool. I love Asheville. Um, and I rode around the mountains Asheville. out there. Yeah, it's got a cool music scene, too. It's Warren kind of that Haines. 70s country. Warren's from Asheville? I, uh, 
I don't want to say he's from Asheville, okay. but he's got a history there. Okay, because I'm uh, a huge Warren fan. Allman Brothers is my thing, oh, you know. Well, so yeah, there you go. I mean, and Warren, yeah. I know that he's got a lot of history there. I want to say when he first started doing it professionally, he was active in the Asheville area, kind of before yeah. it was the touristy yeah. spot that it is today. Yeah. 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 Warren, yeah. Means, yeah. Yeah. I love I, yeah. I love Warren. I grew up listening to Allman Brothers. I met Warren yeah. when I was like. 14 years old. Oh, you met him, man. 15, maybe. I, I was at the backstage at the concert. I bet he is as cool as he seems to be He's laid the back. He's guy. I met him again and... in Amsterdam years later. Did you? And just, you know, for a few minutes after the show and kind yeah. of wait after to get his autograph. Sweetest dude. Uh, he seems like it. Just humble. And, yeah. Uh, he no was what was holding all our brothers together at the end there. Um, and, and I think that's a sh I mean, good on him for doing that, but I think it's a shame that the Allman Brothers... <laughs> It would have been better if they would have made a decision, okay, we're done. But they didn't really do that. They just kind of trickled out with all that yeah. bitterness between Greg yeah, and Dickie Betts. there was a lot Betts of stuff. And, but, uh, and I've read so many books about them, i got to stop. I keep reading the same stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got, I mean, I've got every single thing they've ever done on vinyl. Um, I, I got into the Allman Brothers. I don't even know who introduced me. Probably just some of the kids I went to school with. But uh, since I was a kid, you know, back in mm. the late 70s, early 80s, just... You can't beat that for yeah, that. Man, when they start jamming live, yeah, and they kind of get off track, and That's... even if the even if the drummers, yeah, uh, uh, kind of fall off a little bit, but they always bring it back yeah. around, and it's just that the, the realness of them yeah. when they start jamming live. I love it. Yeah, and it's a I bit sloppy, it. you know, with the drumming. I had to learn. I learned drums by listening to them a lot. Um, Did you? Even though I don't play like that, um, but it's hard to. Nail the the downbeat sometimes in some it's, of the songs because there's two that's of what, them. That's kind of what I mean yeah. when they start jamming. And, okay, where's the one? I love it though. Where's the one? Yeah, now? <laughs> but, but they always find know. it and yeah. they come back to it. Yeah. But it's it's a it's an interesting situation to be a band with two drummers. And I just I, where did that where did that, do you know the history of that? How did that happen? I think they, they did that because two James drummers. Brown. James, well, I that's didn't true. Really know, I never James really Brown, saw him yeah. a video of him playing with two drummers, but they did that, and I know. Jamo actually, the drummer, I think he even toured with, I want to say he toured with James Brown, Did maybe he? one tour. I've um, seen a couple of videos with two drummers on stage with James Brown. I just kind of thought about it. I didn't put that into the same context, uh, excuse me, as the Allman Brothers band. But yeah, that, maybe that is where they... Yeah, and then Grateful Dead were doing, doing it. I don't um, think anybody else was doing that before James. Right, yeah. And then the Allman imagine. Brothers, the Grateful Dead did it for a while. And then now, Derek, you know, Derek Trucks, Tedeschi of Trucks. Yeah, oh yeah Tedeschi Trucks, actually. What a is the team. Two and that's a cool I tell show. Snoopy all the time, I love you to death, but but it's your fault that we're not because she can't sing, can't sing, can't dance, no music. <laughs> I say it's your fault that we're not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but I show them Tedeschi trucks. For those that don't know, uh, uh, Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks, uh, they've got the Tedeschi Trucks project, and they make some beautiful music. Check it out for those of you that don't yeah. know. Yeah, and I, funny enough, their last yeah. album they released was called I Am the Moon. Which I wrote a song called I Am the Moon in a different uh, band years ago. Let's say that they copied you. I know. I, told, I messaged them. They haven't replied yet. Uh, or at least <laughs> tagged the them. Coming so, hey, guys. Come on. Uh, they also have another song called I Want More, which is a uh, name of a song from my first album. So they're just totally ripping have me off. How many albums do you have? you got two. <laughs> two as Derek DeBono. And yeah. then a few singles? Uh, no. Uh, I, I, the, the last album, I released two singles that are on Songs in Georgia. That's, okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. But the first one I released, uh, <clears throat> Spotify calls it a single, even though there's uh, six songs on it. You know, um, I got to tell you, that that this new thing with, because uh, I got confused as heck. The first time I put out 
uh, put music on Spotify. I did it for, for uh, Raymond. Yeah. Uh, uh, with his previous band, Mudrod. And we wanted to put out a single, and somehow Spotify was trying to qualify that single as an EP. I'm like, since when is one and, song? And mine's an EP, and they call and it as a single. It's just it's crazy. It's so annoying. It's uh, so then people look at it and they may think, oh, it's just one song, and then they right. So right. if for the reason of my low streams is because of that. <laughs> well, well, well t- tell me, what are your feelings about Spotify? Now, now, I'll say mine briefly, and then mm. you just kind of bounce off of that. Uh, Spotify, uh, uh, iTunes, you know, all these streaming services. Okay, great for getting discovered. And I put that in quotes. Yeah. Great for getting discovered. But I can't help but get around the fact of, you know, the situation with what we as artists no longer get when it comes to revenue from our product. Yeah. So how, how do you feel about all this? I mean, uh, I didn't get Spotify until I released... 117 my first ep um and that was 2019 Mm -hmm. because for one i have like 2,000 records so it's a bit of redundancy (laughs) (laughs) like i need to listen to those records i've been carrying them from the states my dad's collection for years but um but yeah i I, and i immediately found some amazing bands that i love now so i really appreciate spotify in that sense yeah but it has helped me none it is a money grab for everybody but the musicians. You know, there's Say it pre-save. Loud. Spotify these, does not help uh, you and I, artists like no, us, doesn't help us. Pre-save, a bit. Fifty bucks for a pre-save link. And then maybe you can be moved up in the algorithm. Maybe. Yeah. And you know what? I paid fifty bucks on the first single of this new album for the pre-save link. And I got I got it so many enough where I could have picked up the phone and called well, each of those people and said, Hey man, why don't you listen to my album when it comes out and had a conversation with them instead of every day. And it was a full-time job going pre-save, pre-save, pre-save. The next one I didn't. And I had half the amount of listeners, but <laughs> on the first day, it's not a lot. So it didn't matter. Uh, well, you mentioned the but, algorithm. Uh, I'm starting to think there is no algorithm. It's just a question of who pays. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I, it, it's coming out it more and more. It my life either way. Well, well but yeah, but wouldn't it be nice if it did though? Yeah, that's what you're saying. If it did, all of a sudden, I mean, I got other buddies releasing music, and they in there, they're doing this thing as a living, um, yeah. and so they have people behind them a bit, you know, or they're or they understand and they've researched it, and they say you got to do the pre-save link. But for me and my goals, it wasn't. My goal isn't to to make it. I just want to make music. You just want to put and, it out yeah, there. Yeah, uh, I just want to put it out there. When mm-hmm. people want to listen, they can go. Um, it's yeah. easy to get gigs. You go here, you go. Um, what do you like best, the gig or the recording? The gig. Easiest like the gig. question I've ever been asked. Yeah. All day long. You saw me play here at your house. So, uh, I, 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 I wish I tried to talk Raymond into filming and actually recording that. Yeah. You know, I had my new new mixer, new mics. Oh, yeah. and so I wanted to mic you guys up and record. Yeah. And he just he just wasn't for it. It was but our first gig too. I think maybe he didn't. It want was. To be it was forever. In but case I it tried was to bad, convince him that that's because <laughs> it's the first gig. That's yeah. why you want to record uh-huh. that. And I was proud of that. I loved I it. And I think he was too great. as well. We just maybe didn't know what it was going to be like. And well, we I'm in his Norwegian, so you know, and they're a little bit more careful. Yeah, yeah. More, they're uh, <laughs> us Americans. Like let's do it, man. Mic it up. Yeah. No, but that. There are some people I've I've asked that question to, and they actually prefer the the maybe not necessarily the recording, but the 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 forming of the musical product. Yeah, you know the writing, the the arrangement, and then the recording process. They actually prefer that. But I think yeah. that a lot of them have actually given up on the gig process because I don't. Again, I don't know how things are back home, but here in Norway, it's kind of hard to find a place to play live. 
Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I've managed to, well, not, I mean, I used to play like four, you know, three to three to five nights a week in Amsterdam. And you're still pretty active, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm still active yeah. for, for, uh, for being a dad and, and I'm playing just enough where I'm allowed to get out, you know, uh, not allowed my, my school, but she supports you. Oh, she your, supports yeah. me and she's super happy that I go out, but she knows that I could easily start playing four nights a week and that ain't going to cut it. Um, um, you know, it's it's tricky with working full time and being a dad. And even if the baby's that's why I'm happy I moved to Norway, because I, if I was sitting in Amsterdam yeah. and once the baby goes to sleep, I can go, hey, you know, I can just go out and do a quick gig real quick yeah, yeah, or two yeah. and then be back by midnight and wake up at six. And oh, that's going to make me old quick, you know, uh, so I don't mind this quietness at the locations here at the locales here in, in, in uh, Drammen. What what's the going rate for a gig at say um, yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna collect at the door what can what can a band or an artist pull in at uh, Dickens for example um, I don't know exactly I kind of um, I want to play so I push my way into those gigs with guys because yeah. I play with a lot of professionals here and that's their career you're out there. Um, yeah. you know like Thomas Bjorka yeah. and 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 uh, and Robert Amundsen and Ken Thomas uh, yeah. Johansson. And Ken Thomas guys. Johansson, I got to say hello to him. I love that guy. I haven't seen him in years. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I love fan. him to I death. Him. Yeah, me too. Oh, he really pushed, death. he got me into uh, kind of meeting Raymond, although that's a funny story about how I met him before I met him. Um, but but yeah. Uh, Ken Thomas I, is one of those guys that's out there. Do, he's he's doing been it, making man. a living off of this as yeah. long as I've known him. So that's yeah. going back to 2002, 2003. Yeah. And he's been consistent. I mean, this is his this yeah. is his job. Yeah. So he's doing it, but he's a rarity here in Norway. Yeah. As an unsigned artist. Yeah, yeah. The signed guys, you know, they're doing, they're they're in there. But mm -hmm. to be unsigned and be as active as someone like Ken Thomas is yeah. very rare. Yeah, um, and and yeah, Thomas Berka as well. He's playing. If I, if if I chat with him, he, hey, how's it going? Can you do these six gigs? And it's like in five in five day lot. He'll yeah. do six gigs, seven yeah. gigs. I uh, man, I wish I could, but all, most of his gigs are two hours away and. Uh, and I can't, I can't do that. I did one a few weeks ago, and you know, you're gone for the whole. Well, weekend. he's he must have a decent budget then. Yeah, I, I imagine this. so. I mean, a, yeah. lo a lot of the times, I guess you're making two to four thousand uh, Norwegian per per man. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, a lot of these around town, I Three say, to hey guys, bucks, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like, hey guys, I know that you can do the gig and make the money without me. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to take part of your cake, you know. Are you one of those nice guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, and I want to play, but I'm also I don't know if we should say this. I'm like a crack dealer, so <laughs> I, I get, I'll give you that. I'll give you that first one for free. I'll give you that first one for free, and then and then after that, uh, then I want. But isn't that kind like, of a touch oh, and go thing to get your foot in the door? Um, you seem to have done it you're, you you play with a lot of different mm. musicians uh you're at some of the jam nights here All your the local. Yeah. is that how you met most of these people yeah yeah and then you take it from that meeting that introductory phase to playing a gig or two with them do you find it difficult to approach them when it comes to a more lasting musical relationship or um, does that come easy because norwegians are notorious for being not unfriendly but difficult to That's get close I've heard, with. I've heard, but I've Maybe it's zero different problem music. with that. And I think yeah. I've commented on your your <sighs> Facebook thing once and, and or maybe we were commenting on the expat page and you said something about that. And I said, just play music. And then it's a different environment, isn't that, it? 
Yeah. I mean, music's a different kind of Norwegian. language. You well, yeah, there you get go. Get into any door I've learned my whole life. Yeah. Uh, I'm not shy at all either. Yeah. Um, and Norwegians are no ego, quite yeah. chill, not aggressive. Yeah. I'm American. I come in swinging, hey, let me be in your band. Uh, no. But, <laughs> but, but my experience is that they appreciate our upfront, our openness, our upfront yeah, personality. Hopefully. In the music. Well, I think they <laughs> yeah, do. In the, in the music, the, definitely. In the, in the music world. And, they and really again, appreciate this is different from the regular day-to-day -day society. That's a little bit different. They accept us in a little bit different way. But in music, I think they're like, oh my gosh, here's somebody with a little bit of oomph, a little bit of gumption, a little yeah. bit of, you know, Yeah, initiative. I've only had super, uh, I mean, it's it's been really inviting. Um, when I met Ken Thomas the first day, he knows my neighbor um, who kind of told me about him. And then I didn't know that he was going to be at a gig and me and my dad showed up because my dad and my mom came for a month. We showed up at the jam session at Pavarotti. And I saw this guy. I said, "This has got to be Ken Thomas." That's a great venue too. And, yeah, and it's a, it was cool. It's a jam session, mm -hmm. and they started. And I don't like jam sessions uh, <sighs> since I was at about university. Good players there, but a lot of times you get in jam sessions, and there's oh man, it's just guys trying to rip solos over yeah. everything. But this jam session, everybody can play here in Norway. If they get on stage, they can play. Yes. Yes. And and they also are very tasteful. And they played the song, and they end the song. And jam sessions you in America, they start going like Almond Brothers style, and you're like, can we, it's 45 minutes later, can we but finish But there's the that cultural difference. You know, as I've been saying, Norwegians are a little bit more, they hold themselves back a little bit socially. And I think even though the music environment is different than the regular social environment here in Norway, that reservedness is mm -hmm. still present in the music world, and that does make for a better jam. It does, man. I mean, Nobody, no ego. They no just ego. want to I mean, play and have that. some fun. And, they'll and, give you space, you know. Yeah. And if you're the new guy, you're the new face. They'll really give you space. They want you to cut yeah. loose a little bit. Yeah. So um, um, I mean, and Ken Thomas looked at me and said, "You know, looked at my dad. He said we're going to take care of Derek here, and he has been my champion." Um, uh, God bless and, him. I love and, that guy. and I had to. I just said, okay, there was five drummers at this open mic, or uh, this jam session that night. And I said, oh, no, man, yeah. this drum, drummers and drama. There's <laughs> tons of them. And I said, oh, crap, okay, I got a lot of competition here. Not competition, and they were good, and yeah. everybody was great, super nice yeah. guys, let you up. But I said, okay, I, I'm not going to end up being the drummer at the house drummer. But right. then um, I just needed to play that drum kit that I played here once yes. in town. And I was yeah. like, I just got to play that. Because that, that, that drum set steals unique. gigs. That's uh, very unique. Yeah. That's a unique setup. And... You do it so well. Thank you, thank you. That little set. How do I describe that? It's it, it's Hobbit a, trap is one Russian. A <laughs> Hobbit trap. Is this called a <laughs> Hobbit trap? And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it's called. <laughs> it's. It, it, let me try and explain. Or you explain. Tell people exactly how that little kit is set up because it's so but, unique. Yeah, I, I started building it one piece at a time. Um, so I just bought a. Oh, it's it's out of necessity. I was in Amsterdam. Uh, I found myself sitting on my kitchen floor trying to strap a conga to my back. <laughs> and at one point when I started putting the strap around my throat, I said, what are you doing? Like, I'm going to be on a bicycle with a conga wrapped around my throat. And I would have probably done it if it would have worked. Because it's like, Anything you know. for the, the gig. <laughs> I know. I, I want to play the gig. I'll risk my life. And I said, this is stupid. Let me find something else. So I went to the store and I told the guy I needed drums that I could fit on a bike somehow. I said, you play cajon now. So I bought the cajon. Then I got uh, the hugest Part of that setup is the bass drum pedal. Yeah. It's a cajon bass drum pedal that goes backwards, um, and it's made for a cajon. That really changes. It makes it a real drum set. Yeah. And then I added maracas in my shoe. 
It's just kind of one of my similar. I was going to say that bass drum pedal is kind of the only real noticeable uh, uh, traditional piece of drum kit. Yeah. And it changes everything, man. Yeah, and it then, does. And then I've got, you know, tambourine <laughs> on the other foot and then add a riot, you know, a crash cymbal with some rivets. And then I bought a little drum set from a kid. But it's uh, it's those rivets that kind of make yeah, it they, to something unique. It, it's not a regular yeah, crash. It, it's, it's, yeah, it kind of you guys it buys have to you see some time. And hear this. Yeah, it buys I wish you time. We would have recorded that. Uh, I know. We got a few oh, videos, but they're kind of half songs. Yeah. And stuff, but. I wanted to test these mics out, though. Yeah, oh, man, it, yeah. I we'll have to do that. It's not Diamond's fault. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then I just kept adding more pieces than yeah. cowbell and woodblock and then clickers on the side so I can do rim shots. And you had that little... Uh, the bike bell. The bike bell on That's, the side. Yeah, there. that... Yeah. First time I used it in Amsterdam, nobody even reacted, and I went, what? And I realized we're sitting by the door... So they probably thought it was bicycles oh, riding by, okay. and I went, man, this is genius, guys. Uh, and then when it played in other places, then people would just laugh when you know that no bike just drove by. And I'm like, what is that? Um, so so you, you haven't had any problem whatsoever. Your uniqueness as an American, plus being a talented drummer, has opened doors for you here in Norway yeah. when it comes to your music thing. What is your ultimate goal here? Oh, make babies. Just kidding. <laughs> Got another one on the yeah, way? Yeah, yes, yes. Got one? One, yeah, right? Yeah, and one, one on the way. One, yeah. uh, one girl, um, or, you know, born on tax day, April 15th. <laughs> and then this uh, the little boy is due um, uh, on Valentine's Day. So, yeah. Can't, Take care of no more dates. Valentine's Day dates, which is fine with me. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, no, I, I uh, and as I said before, I just, I make music. Uh, I I'm, want to make music, not make it. Make it, you right. know. Um, but why not? Why would uh, you? Just, why don't you want to make it? Uh, I don't like sleeping on couches, man. <laughs> well, and, and I'm. Uh, I have a, a nice job, and um, I figured. If I'm going to make it, I need to go straight to the top the first day. <laughs> I don't well, want to pay my dues. I pay my dues my whole life. Well, so and, so uh, would you, in order for you to drop your nine to five and do music, are you, would you require that you have the same income for music that you do from your nine yeah, to five? Yeah, I got a little bit too comfortable there. You, okay. And, uh, and just I got to support my family. I got to think about that. When COVID hit, that cleared the answer Support up. Support your who? From, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> and when COVID hit, that cleared the answer up for me because a lot of my friends were calling me going, Hey, can, can we get a gig, man? I played uh, 175 shows that first year that COVID shut down. Did you really? And I was working full-time doing online for Airbnb. Me and uh, Dean, I got to drop Dean's name. He's coming to see me next week. And I wore the shirt, Dean, if you're watching. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's part of, Sh or he is Shaggy Grace. We do all his songs. Mm -hmm. I'm the drummer. We started as a duo and build on players yeah. from there. Um, and... Uh, and we did, uh, Airbnb called us. We were doing Airbnb events uh, in Amsterdam, like hidden houseboat concerts. So when you go on to okay, Airbnb's Okay, because I was going to say, what's an Airbnb event? Yes. But it's just... It's an, their website. It's just, when you go on there and you find like what to do in town, okay. there's like events. And then they, we used to sell out, we could sell out every show, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Basically events sponsored by Airbnb for Airbnb yeah. constituents sell, or, or users. Yeah, sell yeah. through there. Gotcha. And we also sold locally, I think, on some, but mostly it was sold to... So we were on, our, our crowd was on tour and we got to sleep in our beds at home, you know, at uh. night. And man, and, and, uh, <laughs> and I've had other friends who, you know, played Paradiso in Amsterdam sleep on my couch and they're playing big shows. And I'm like, you know, how do you like it? Is it, is it the dream? And he said, well, I'm sleeping on your couch. So that's your answer. So there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't want to, uh, I mean, I love my life. I want to travel. I want to, you know, make a, make a living and play music. And I get to do all those. 
Um, but I don't have to sleep on couches. I'm too old for that. And, um, that is definitely a thing of youth. Yeah. We, uh, you know, I'm about 10 years older than you. And as much as I love music, you know, you have to, you got to balance life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? um, and I really, I, I love music. I, I could play for uh, no one, as I did a few weeks ago, <laughs> drove all the way to Ol, uh, Ol uh, uh, and we played for nobody in that's a, a tent. Long way to drive. That's a long way to drive. <laughs> but uh, I mean, we stayed in the cabin hour away, but you know, drive there. I got to play with the guitar player for my album, David Rick. He came into town. We played with Thomas Bjorka Band. Great and, uh, guitarist, by the way. He tasteful. Smoking, yeah. Tasteful. Smoking. Um, yeah. Really amazing guitarist yep. and a uh, good friend. So he he came and we, and Thomas Bjorka does <laughs> like country covers and stuff. And he had a blast. But I mean, there were people at the bar, but they wouldn't come outside because right. it was a tent. They okay. would come outside, like 20 of them dance and then just go back go inside. Right back so in. we were just like, we drove here to play for nobody. <laughs> it was funny. Sorry, Thomas. Uh, we were laughing about it then. He felt so bad. But I was like, I don't care, man. I, I really, um, I come to, I want to play music, whether yeah. it's for two people or 2,000. Yeah. And, and, you know, imagine Ken Thomas, and he might he might chuckle at this. He doesn't know how many people are out there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, there's 2,000 or For those or that don't know Ken Thomas, he is, uh, he's not 100% blind, but he's just about blind. Yeah. So he can't see. He but, can't uh, see um, uh, but yeah, so, so I've often, often thought about that, like, <sighs> you know, blind players, do they know that, that how many people are out there and do they get nervous? Uh, I saw an so. interview with Stevie Wonder um, and he said, even though he can't see the crowd, he feels them and that mm. makes him nervous. Yeah, really? Yeah. After all these years. But after, after a certain point, decades, you can only feel a certain hundred people. I don't think you feel like tens of thousands. Maybe you can. I, I've never been there, so I don't but know. But I would think there's something to that thing where they say that when you lose one of your senses, yeah, especially sight, true. everything else is enhanced. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine Stevie Wonder hears a crowd of 15,000 people yeah, differently so. than yeah. you and I. Yeah. Uh, I. I would imagine he hears yeah, that on more of a detailed level. Mm. But but he, he wasn't talking just about what he hears. He actually said he it, he feels them. And the interviewer was like, well, what do you mean by that? He says, I don't know, but I can feel them. Yeah. I, and I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I, I close my eyes half the gig. That's when we were playing <laughs> with Robert, me and Ken Thomas and uh, and Lars uh, at Picasso a few, like a month ago or so. And um, and we were laughing because Ken Thomas is, you know, at, at, when it's dark, he can't see. And I, was, yeah. I got my eyes closed the whole time. And they're like, guys, <laughs> we're trying to tell you to stop the song. And we're over there just jamming. And me and him are like a little team. He's on bass. I'm on drums. And we're just laughing. And uh, we're not paying attention anyway to the crowd. But I, I really only see past, I mean, like up to the front of the stage, maybe the first row, no matter what kind of gigs I've ever played. I don't really pay attention to that. I look over the crowd if I'm worried about getting nervous. So I, I don't get nervous on drums anyway, but. Even though it makes me nervous to be in front of a crowd, whether it's for music, which I haven't done in years, it's been so long since I perform live out there. But uh, but uh, doing stand up comedy or public speaking, you did stand up comedy. Oh yeah, yeah, and I haven't I done it in a while. Yeah. You see me supporting my arm here. I think I told you about my show. Yeah, so yeah. I'm in so much pain all the time. I can't focus to do the to do my routine up there. But uh, I'm gonna go back to it. Um, my last time on stage was in. 2021 okay. when they opened up things for a little bit yeah. after COVID hit and I went out and did some stuff, but yeah, I, I've been active in stand-up comedy, but my thing is actually be in touch with the crowd, mm -hmm. even though they scare the living daylights out of me. Yeah. Uh, I found that uh, being very much aware of who's out in that crowd and trying to focus 
on one person at a time. Sing to that lady sitting yeah. there. Of course, I'm going to move on. Otherwise, I get kind of weird. I hate when they but but, at you. but but you know, make that eye contact yeah. for a minute. Sing that line to that one person, or say that one joke, or pull mm. pull that one person into the to the stand up routine or something, and then it makes that crowd out there less fearsome. Yeah, to yeah. me. Yeah, uh, I, I always because if I try, try to, to drop a joke right when I get on stage, if I'm yeah. playing, I, I only get nervous maybe playing acoustic and singing because I'm not confident about my singing. Um, oh, come on. I'm man. worried about that first note. Once I get get it, I'm I in there. you got a great but, voice, man. Oh, thank you. you. Well, auto-tune's a hell of a... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, my engineer's like, you're not kidding. Uh, I just I just got Logic pulled up. I used yeah. to run Cubase, yeah. and uh, Logic, and everyone's telling me, oh, the auto-tune is so easy on Logic. I'm like, I don't really care yeah it's gonna kill uh at one point i was spent too much money on the album like we got to fix a few notes um i don't yeah i i don't think there's a problem with doing that but this noticeable warping oh yeah well my engineer wouldn't allow that either he's like nope you gotta redo it 20 times until you if i have to do 20 takes that's what i want to do uh i i Maybe I'm old school. Maybe I'm dating myself. I'll just tell you, I'm 54 years old, and I just don't believe in doing that crazy auto-tune thing. I'm, I learned how to sing in church. Mm-hmm. I, I learned that. So why would I want to put that aside and let an algorithm? See, I went to Catholic church. You can't learn to sing there because it's all <laughs> like this. <laughs> yeah. no, this was, this was uh, a cappella singing in the Church of Christ, if you're familiar with yeah. that. It's all a cappella. Yeah. Okay. So we learned. I mean, I was four, five, six years old. And I knew how to harmonize. I knew how to sing in harmony. Why would I want to let an algorithm on some Mm -hmm. uh, uh, DAW do the singing for me? I just, I mean, to each his or her own, but my goodness, I think it's a sad thing that that is, that's just one of the elements of modern music that just is, is, it's a little sad to me. I saw an interview clip. I want to say it was Aretha. It wasn't, it was one of those types of singers that's just Uh unbelievable. And they, they asked her about, uh, about auto-tuning she said you know that's killing everything it is when you win that studio and when that red light comes on and that's why i hate the studios because i'm always a guy in there paying for it or i'm <laughs> on somebody else's time and i'm like i gotta hit these yeah. you know hit this yeah. but um and, and i i just hate that you know and i can't just be free but but yeah. the, you know they were like you had to know your notes you had to hit yeah. your notes because you're doing a live you got the symphony yeah. over there and doing these soul soul songs and stuff you had that's to know how to play money. it. That's somebody's And money. nowadays you go like, eh, I'll figure it out in the studio. Man, no, I no, just, no. I, um, they didn't do that back then, which is cool. Uh, I love the old stuff. I try, to, I try to raise my kids right. You know, they're 18 and almost 16 years old. So they're very much in tune with modern music. But sometimes I'll set them down and say, here, listen to this. And I'll pull up some Stevie Wonder or some Aretha mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire, something like that. And then ask them, do you hear the difference? Do you feel the difference? They're like, oh my God, yes. And I think they do, but it doesn't change what they listen to in the slightest bit. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it is what it is. Maybe yeah. I'm just an old guy yelling at clouds. But, I know, but, but I feel the same. And, and It's sad. Yeah. I think it's sad. I know it is, you know, talent. I mean, I, I, I wrote the songs I wanted to get across, so I didn't want the singing to be horrible. So, of course, I'm like, fix a few of these parts. Sure, but, uh, sure. Nothing but, wrong but with that. nowadays, you know, the whole song is, uh, mm-hmm. is, is yeah. you know, auto-tune, and it's, it's a bit funny. And, the, and on top of that, the songs don't even... 
that the lyrics aren't even amazing. So it's really about the beat and everything. It's like, well, at least learn that. If you're telling a story well, and you got to fix it, like I want to get my story across. I don't want people to have to listen because the demos, and I feel bad for the rest of the guys who had to record on top of my demos for this album. They <laughs> did a great job, but man, my demos were rough. Um, and then once, then I lay down my vocals at the end once everything's stacked. And, um, and, uh, and you know, we had to stack it because I'm on guitar and I'm on drums. And you can't, it's hard to do, cut the vocals sure, with the drums because sure. I was doing drums and bass first. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so um, I feel bad for them having to rehearse with those <laughs> albums <laughs> and uh, write, write the scores and everything, the horn section. And they're real musicians, you know, as we say. Uh, as you were saying about, you know, theory and everything, we uh, all the guys on my album are really accomplished. Um, and you say it sounded like deep, like like the South, but yeah. the, the piano player unbelievable Tommaso Parazzo. Um he's an Italian he ain't guy. He's from Atlanta, is no, he? No, he ain't from Atlanta. <laughs> uh, um, he's an Italian guy and uh, he's studying Berkeley right now, I think. I know he's in New York. I'm pretty sure it's Berkeley. Um, and I didn't need to tell him a single thing anyway. Yeah. Guys, he, I wanted him just to do the whole album and cut me out. But <laughs> I, I just told him like, okay, can you do a gospel? Oh, like this. And, and, and I was <laughs> I, like, what? I love, never... I love it. And then anything I said, he was two steps in front of me. Can yeah. you do an intro? Exactly that intro. Thank you. We're done. Record. And It is so cool yeah. to be able to work with musicians like that. And, uh, um, and then the horn section as well. I mean, they... <sighs> That he he wrote the whole uh, yeah. Ben Fitzpatrick wrote all of the horn section, brought in players, um, mm -hmm. took them you know the amount of time mm -hmm. that was the album five minute song they took five minutes on that thing and yeah. it was perfect oh, uh, and they knew it you know they really knew what they were doing. Fascinating that musicians can be that good. Yeah. They um, just hear you know you, you hear about these old school guys like Steve Lukather and 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 people like that who would just walk in a studio. They got to listen through it once. Okay, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And there's the take. I mean, drums, Done. that's one thing. We just bang on stuff, but the rest <laughs> of the guys hitting notes. Um, yeah, it's it's beautiful to watch. And then and the fiddle player, um, Dietrich van Vassenaar on the album, he's unbelievable as well. He wrote all his parts and the string sections. And uh, Well, I think they did it well. I mean, it sounds like it was, uh, uh, well, I was going to say Atlanta recorded. Nashville. It's not, that's Nashville quality production right you. there. Thank you. Um, very, very well done. And again, people need to go out and, and, and check that out. It's, it's good stuff. Um, you know, um, Lasse Hoffreger, who was sitting here, mm -hmm. uh, the little guy with the, with the white hair, uh, one of Norway's best keyboardists. He's ever. unbelievable, man. He, I get chills even thinking about one of those tracks he showed me. Oh yeah, have you? Have you? Yeah, you've, you've, he took me down outside, like a, you know, before oh, in between he? bands, what and he, he was like, "Hey, what, man, check this what out." What did he play? What, which ones? Oh, there was one with you on guitar. Um, and he comes. I don't. Yeah. I don't even know what it was, but he comes in with this, you know, just that Hammond. Well. He he's he's what I'm getting at is he's one of those people. Music is in his very soul. Lassa can hear something and then he's gonna fi figure out a part to it mm -hmm. right then and there. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know these guys who've got the ear and they know what chord that is just by listening to it. He's one of them, yeah. and that's like a whole different species of human being to it me. Is, I just don't man. see how they can get that way. But to be able to sit and perform with somebody like Lassa. Uh, or write. I, I do a lot of writing with Lass, or he pulls me in to do background vocals on different projects. And every time something like that happens, I learn something new. 
What was your learning process with getting this album down and cooperating with all of these highfalutin musicians? What did you come out better at um, after that process? Oh, man. Because I get better every time Every time I sit down with Lawson yeah. or with Henning, you know, the guitarist. Mm -hmm. Every time I sit down and do something with him, I learn something new. I'm mm -hmm. better at something because of them. Yeah. Um, I mean... Uh, Maybe it's because I suck so bad. Yeah, I have so I, I much think to so. learn <laughs> because I'm so terrible. No, but seriously, no, it's, I, that, it's that it's that symbiotic that that little cooperative moment with the musician. Yeah, it, that I lifts mean, you up. I recorded this album in a small room, so I got to sit and watch the guys do their parts. Um, yeah. Because we couldn't do it live, and as I said, I was on drums and guitar and singing, so we stacked. So it wasn't like a vocal booth and a no, drum room. Uh, and, a and and after this last album, the first album and the last album, I both recorded both with uh, Rufus van Bardwijk in, in Amsterdam. Um, now he has a beautiful studio called Hidden Gym in Amsterdam, and yeah. uh, state-of-the-art, awesome. gorgeous, gorgeous studio. Awesome. Um, uh, so I got to sit and watch the guys and, and you know, stack tracks. And I learned that uh, I always learn less is more in the studio. Yes. Um, and Rufus and I are buddies as well. So uh, and he's he also doesn't let me get away with, you know, he, he knows. No, you know, the first time I recorded my my vocals, he was like, OK, after the entire day, he said, OK, now go home and learn how to sing your song, <laughs> sing in your register. Stop singing it. up here, you know, because I was doing yes. that. And that's why well, he sounds like songs, a good producer. Ah, oh, he's amazing, and, and like he wasn't you. scared. You know, and Dutch are known for being direct, yes. uh, and he was a friend, so he didn't hold back. He would tell me, nope, or or you really need. want that, or whatever, what and need. he was always right. Uh, yeah. I never questioned him, and stop hitting the crash cymbal. That's one big thing I learned from the studio um, on every album I've played. Stop hitting the cymbals, because uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you, you hit cymbals live, yeah. but in the studio, less is more. Yeah. And and I had so many good players on the album um, that he called me at one point and said, Okay, you got every, so we, we let everybody play simple chord structure on the album, then solo through the entire album. Then, and there's 14 players on this album, so this wasn't cheap to make. Yeah. Um, and to let everybody sit there all day, all it, funded by you, yeah. Um, and then you own the masters, then, yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, and uh, and, and then we let them do a third take, get weird, get funky, loosen okay. up, and then we went back after they went home. And then we chopped up tracks and we took that what we wanted. That is a very interesting way of doing it. But then he called me. The engineer said, man, you got too many good players on here. You can't have them all on every song. Right. And I want all of them on every song. Yeah. You know? So, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, I learned that, yeah, even this album could have even been less. But you know what? I, I don't care. I want to hear those things. Because Almond Brothers, so much stuff going on. Well, yeah. And everybody yeah. nowadays, a lot of, like they like simplicity. Are you, saying, are you saying that you think your album is slightly overproduced? Maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe. Man. But okay. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, it, it could have been even more. Yeah, thank you. We're never satisfied. Never. I don't have a single Ever. thing out there that I'm satisfied <laughs> with. I don't, yeah. What, what is the most difficult part for you? Now, for me, uh, I'm primarily a songwriter and vocalist. So it's that instrumentation that is the hardest part of building music for me the the, the lyrical part i you know, yeah you need something written come to me i have it done that afternoon that's yeah. how easy lyrical mm -hmm. writing is for me what is your process what, what what part of your process is most difficult uh yeah we definitely the recording i can sit down and i feel like if i sit down and write a song i write songs over years you know okay one-liners here and there yeah. two verses um 
or entire song in three minutes. So you um, didn't sit down to write this album. You put no, this album some, together from old ideas. Yes, some yeah. songs are a um, few years old. Okay, most of them have been written in the last, let's say, five years. It took me. Okay. COVID hit during the middle. Of there was recording this album. Um, the Ukrainian war also slowed down the album a bit because uh, he was going to master it in the new studio, but then the people who were building the studio were Ukrainians. They had to go home. Mm. That cost us about a year. I I'm see. not complaining. There's much bigger problems in the world. Sure, so sure. I just kind of, you just be yeah. patient. Um, so a lot of stuff slowed this down. So it did take about, I would say, I was already 40 when I was recording 40s coming on strong. I wrote that when I was 39. <laughs> this man walked weeks. into a new decade during the recording process. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, um, so yeah, uh, but I can write, yeah, I like, like you, uh, I can write songs if I sit down, I can knock them out. Yeah. Um, and I've got one liners and I can, and I love writing. Um, so do I. I, uh, love. I don't write enough, but even like writing papers in school, I was always good at that. Now that um, I was not good at. Mm, um, I was really, I really was, I, I enjoyed uh, that. If I could get out of writing and I did get out of writing some papers, I would do it because <laughs> I just couldn't, that, that whole, I always tell people I'm going to have to manage with the smarts that I have because I will never go back to school to learn something. Uh, yeah, I can't I just learn can't anything do it. anymore. I just can't. Uh, I can't. It's so hard to learn stuff. Um, trust me, my wife will agree. She, <laughs> every, every day has to do that. No. Um, but yeah, uh, writing I love. Um, and then once I get, uh, you know, I only write hits. I only write. <laughs> <laughs> it's good songs. Um, but I really enjoy that. The Norwegian, the ve the Vega list, top ten. <laughs> exactly. Um, Every song. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, but uh, and then um, acoustics fine. I love playing rhythm. Um, chord structures are a bit tricky for me sometimes. I mean that's why a lot of songs in G, C, and D I throw E minor in there. Um, yeah. And it's tricky if we're playing my entire album straight live because the guy's like, oh nope. I'm like, that's the other song. Um, uh, where that goes, but then if you you re realized, you know, my dad told me once, like you know, um, you don't have to do drum solos over every anything. I wasn't, I'm not a very drum solo-y kind of guy. I'm more no, groove. Okay. Yeah. He said, listen to the radio and tell me there's one drum set, drum lick you can't do. Depends which station you're listening to. I'm not a, a heavy metal or anything. Don't. <laughs> yeah. But like, I can play every you know, my girl and yeah. all the soul stuff. There's not yeah. riffs that are insane. So. No. Just play the groove. Um, um, so, you know, instrumentation, I, I, I enjoy. Maybe I got off track there. But, uh, but yeah, I would, um, recording is the hardest part. So um, you don't, you, I don't like when the red light comes on. You don't have much of an, or what, what, what aspect of the recording process? Is it the fear of not getting your part right? Or is it the technical side of it, the engineering side of no, it? No, no. That's, uh, uh, that's. Rufus is amazing. He handles that. I sit next to him a lot of the time when uh, mm -hmm. we cut up tracks and we decide which one's the best. It's it's me. Um, I have no doubts on a single person that I in my band, uh, okay. in my band or my, my friends that are recording. So you get stressy about getting your part. Right. My part's the only part I'll worry about. Yeah. Um, the other guys, I don't even need to tell them. They come. They're prepared. Right. Um, Real pros. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Bram von Langen is the bass player, and he and he did the finger picking parts on on one of the songs because he's a beast just on on acoustic. What is that with bassist? Ken Thomas is an amazing yeah, acoustic guitar player. Yeah, he's got such a player. cool. They call it the claw or something oh. the first time I met him, but he's got a cool like yeah. uh, finger picking. Yeah. I'm not a finger picking guy, but I can do some cool Strum rhythms, yeah. mm. um, which 
also don't That's work the drum well. Menu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I play just drums on guitar. I mean, I started on guitar, but then That's I That's what quickly, Dave Grohl does. Yeah, exactly. He plays um, drums on guitar. Um, so I, I quickly went to drums after I played guitar as a kid, which mm. is great because I learned guitar and then played behind my dad. So I, I learned what Any not classes to do. or self-taught? No, my dad taught me on guitar. Okay, yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then I grew up in a music store selling drums and guitars. So you sit there and you take rip, you rip everybody off that comes to the music store. You <laughs> just watch those, them. He's one yeah. of them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll steal your riffs. No, but uh, what a what a cool life. The yeah, was, musicians you must uh, have met. Oh, I could go on for yeah, days I bet about you can. the people I've met. Um, yeah. And it's and so I rarely get starstruck. I mean, right now I'm starstruck. Oh come on! Now. I've cooked. <laughs> I've for googled you. Yeah. <laughs> I've cooked. For, we're, we're brothers now. I made a hamburger exactly. for you. All right. <laughs> I had about. I think I had two. Um, yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like I said though, I mean, I wish I really feel like I wasted time because I was around such good players that I could really be a smoking guitar player right now. My dad's mm. great guitar player. He's on the album as well. Is he? Yeah, uh, he's on that. one song on each album. He's on the cover as well. Oh, I brought. The, I think I set it out there. I hope I have my book bag somewhere. Um, um, yeah, but uh, he, I could have been an amazing guitar player just yeah. if I'd really practice every day, but. I played drums with him. We played every weekend since I was 14. So the 14. drums is what grabbed you. Drums is, yeah, because yeah, then I figured it out really quick um, and loved it. And then I've been gigging every yeah. weekend for my entire life. And Now, you said you've never been starstruck. Who would it take to put you in that starstruck condition? If someone walked through my door right there. Oh, I think if anybody walked through the door right now, I would, uh, um, <laughs> who, 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 who would, I mean, who yeah. would make you babble and uh, uh, babble and stutter a little bit, maybe sweat, little, little, little droplet of sweat running down. Mm. Who could do that? Who in the music? It's still alive right now. Still alive. Uh, still alive. I don't know. Um, Nobody. May, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there is. I just Do you say, have a heart. Is yeah, it I, is it, is it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe like Jeff Tweedy from Wilco or something. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm a big Wilco fan. Yeah. Uh, they're losing me on some of their out their recent albums. Get a little bit soft, but then I read his book and I went. I'm back and I can't not buy the albums. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's tough because I mean, when I grew up in the music store, we go to the Nam shows. Oh. And everybody's there. Everybody. <laughs> Your head there. explodes the first twenty minutes. You I meet would imagine everybody. I would imagine. And then you're like, okay, they're and for That's one, they're dream. people. That's um, my dream to go to a NAMM oh, show. Oh man, I've been to so many of those as a kid. Um, but you're right; they are just people. They're just people. And uh, um, I, I met Eddie Kramer. Very starstruck. I mean, this dude. This dude engineered Jimi Hendrix. This dude engineered Woodstock, the live mm. gig. This guy uh, uh, produced Kiss. And it's like, that's Eddie. And I got to talk, I got to stand beside him, and he was focused on me and my music for 15 minutes. Yeah. I'll never forget it. And that was my first time being around somebody of that legendary caliber. And I was. My jaw was on the floor when I first saw him. Uh, this is let me just give a little history. Um, and I've said it before on the show, but just to fill you in, I was um playing with my band Loyal Oak. This was back in 2004 or five, something like that. We were in a song contest, and uh, it was in conjunction with a Norwegian metal band called Hangface. I don't even know That's if this. A good name. Oh, it's a cool name. A great, great band. I've had Hangface a few great. times. When I woke up. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm not, and I'm not that into metal, but but 
these guys are good. They're, mm. they're talented. So it was in conjunction with the release of their debut album, which was produced by Eddie Kramer. Eddie Kramer found, he discovered them. So there's a song contest and the winner was going to get to open for them at the release party. And almost as a joke, because this is metal music, and I was into the, still am into the soul, funk, rock, R&B type of thing. And I submitted a song that I had written, which was very funky. So it was the furthest thing from metal that it could possibly be. Well, the um, some of his assistants or his production team, whoever, whoever was running the competition, they actually called me. And said, the ball's on you to submit a song like this. Uh, and they said, of course, you know, and we had a good laugh about it. They saw the humor in it. And they said, um, of course, you're not going to win the song competition. However, because we like this, after the show, there's going to be an after party. This was down in um, uh, um, Lillesand, which is right outside of Christiansand down mm -hmm. south. It's going to be a live concert, and we would like for your, you and your band to supply us with the musical entertainment. So I got that's, that gig cool, for that. Um, and at the, the, the final day of the song competition, uh, Eddie Kramer was there because he was going to actually present the some sort of plaque and actually inform the band that they're going to tour with hang face and all that stuff. And I got to meet him and stood there and talked with that guy for like 15 minutes. Starstruck when I saw him, but as soon as we started talking, he's just another guy. Yeah. So that ties into what you're saying. They're all just guys. Actually, yeah. I also got to sit uh, for a two, two and a half hour car drive with uh, Elliot Mazur. Neil, oh wow! Uh, produced Harvest with Neil Young. Uh, okay. Produced tons okay. of his more acoustic country singles, but he okay. he produced the whole Harvest album. Produced uh, Janis Joplin, Linda Ronstadt. Okay. Einstein um, Remy. I don't know if you've met him. Einstein uh, wanted to do a country album, and he asked me to write the lyrics for the album, and then we presented that album to Elliot just at let's just send it to Elliot May this is actually Einstein's idea let's send this to Elliot Mazer I'll be doggone if Elliot didn't call him back That's and we cool. brought Elliot Mazer to Norway and produced four songs That's cool. with Elliot Mazer one of them is out there already uh, the others are going to come out eventually and so I, I got to work over a five day period sitting Elliot Mazer right there and that would make me nervous. Talking to somebody is one thing, but sitting well, in, in there playing on again, stage with again, a big person. I was, because I'm a story. big Neil Young fan. That's my songwriting hero right there. Big Neil Young fan. So, of course, I've known who Elliot Mazur is since I was, you know, barely older than a toddler. So to actually get to meet this dude and work with him, of course, I'm like, I'm like this. I'm like a scared high school girl. But again... The first sentence of our conversation when I met him is like, he's just another guy. Mm -hmm. And then you just calm down and it's just... Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the guys I met, I didn't know who they were until I'd already been talking to them. Oh, really? How'd um, that at, happen? I mean, I ran a music store in college. It wasn't my parents, but when I went to university, I went to UGA and I ran a music store um, called Musician's Warehouse. And that was 
REM was our customer. Oh, of course. Atlanta. Um, yeah. From Atlanta. And, uh, I forget from Athens, that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, or Athens. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Get it right. It's not Atlanta. Um, no, <laughs> they, they are Athens, Georgia, but they were our customer. But I'm not a fan of REM. I'm not, I don't dislike them, but I'm not, that's not my genre. That's not, not my thing. Either. No. So it was cool when you yeah. meet Michael Stipe, but does, it wasn't like, oh my God. It's no. like me meeting, you know, Jessica Simpson. I don't, yeah. you know, that's not my thing. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I met a lot of people in that music store. They come in while they're waiting for their shows to begin. And John Mayer came in once. Oh wow! I didn't really know who he was. He was just getting big. As um, famous as that guy is, I think he would blend in easy and just a day. He's a tall dude, occur. though. Uh, he really. Is he really? He, he, is he? I was surprised. You know, he's a really, really big dude. Okay, uh, I stand corrected because yeah. I was going to say there's nothing really striking he, yeah. about his appearance. I think I would pass him over if yeah. I saw him. Walking I mean, I, I need him, and I don't think okay. he liked that because okay. I didn't know who he was. Because okay. I said, "Hey, your credit card's not signed," and he said. Are you joking? And I said, No, it's company policy. We got to see your, uh, oh, got to see your ID. And he showed it to me. I said, Because it said Mayor Music on there, and I, yeah. yeah. And a lot of music guys come in yeah. with companies, and yeah. And then he showed me. I said, John Mayer. I said, You play guitar, of course. You're buying guitar strings. And I was like, Do you you play around town or something? I've heard your name before. And he's like, Yeah, I'm playing Georgia Theater tonight. We're doing our uh, music video for Room wow. for Squares. Wow. Uh, you know, run through the halls of my high school. That that song. Did he and, laugh uh, it off, or was he a little? Yeah, it was a bit like I can't believe you don't know me, if I remember correctly. But he wasn't laughing really, uh, and he said, "Yeah, I'm shooting a video for MTV tonight at Georgia Theater." I'm like, "Oh, cool. Good luck with that. You know, here's your your bills." Twelve. I wonder how what to, what tone of voice did he use? Was he saying it as a matter of fact, or was he trying to rub it in? You idiot! No, he wasn't. I'm yeah, doing yeah, a video. It was kind of like <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like I'm surprised you don't know me. You run a music store. You should kind of. I should have. I'm the drum guy, though, and the guitar guy was at lunch, and then the guitar oh, guy came hilarious. back from lunch, and I said, hey, who's John Mayer? And he's oh, the biggest hilarious. guitar player in the world. It's about to blow up. Oh, I said, oh, hilarious. he was just here. And then the next night, I went to pick up my girlfriend at a bar, and I was went in the bar, and I was like, walked in. I said, where's everybody at? They said, upstairs. And I walked in, and all her sororities standing around some dude, and I go, hey, John, John Mayer, <laughs> right? Come and she knew everybody else knew except me because I was listening to 70s music, 60s, 70s music, so I wasn't listening to pop music. I don't watch MTV and it's not seeping into my brain because I was listening to CDs. I'm not listening to that radio station, so it wasn't getting in there. Uh, now I know him and he was like, Hey, he knew. And then he knew me. Uh, he was like, yeah, you're the one guy in town who doesn't know me. Um, and then, and also, uh, funny story is I was talking to an old guy who came in the music store in the, the back in the drums and he was like hitting snare drums like this, you wow. know, not, you know, usually guys are just, yeah. if they're, if they're badass, they really show. And he was like kind of tapping drums and we super sweet old dude. And I was talking to him and he said, uh, I said, you play in a band? And he said, yeah, yeah, I play in a band. And I said, oh, cool, that's nice, man. Um, so you play, you gig or anything? Yeah, yeah, we're gigging tonight, actually. I said, oh, where? He said, Classic Center. I went, oh, that's a big venue. I thought it was just one of these country boys. And I said, uh, who do you play with? He said, Willie Nelson. I said, oh, I'm, oh, I'm so, boy. then all of a sudden you just get starstruck <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. <laughs> and super sweet guy yeah, gave me his yeah. business card, told me some stories, but um, yeah. But just you had never known if... Uh... <clears throat> they are just people, though. I think... And again, that kind of pulls me back around to what I, what I was saying about what do you learn when you play with people who are so... At, at, at that level. And I also think that there's something to be drawn from people just from having a conversation with somebody like you know, John Mayer mm. or in my case, Elliot Mazer yeah. to sit and talk about songwriting with Elliot Mazer. I'm going to mm. take that with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm going to incorporate that whether I'm conscious of it or not, that's going to be a part of my writing going mm -hmm. forward. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I would think that I would think that you're in. I do think that you're in a position where you're probably learning a lot, uh, or maybe if not learning a lot, maybe reinforcing your perspective as a musician because you're out there among so many different musicians, mm-hmm. all of high caliber. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. I There's mean, something uh, out there to learn from. There's something yeah, out there to reinforce. And, and, a, and a lot of stuff I learned from my dad. I mean, I grew up playing honky tonks uh, when I was 14, 13, 14, all the way up. In a band always. with your, with your Yeah, with my father and, and all his buddies. And a lot of you times. You mentioned him a lot so far in this Yeah, I, 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 me and him were best friends. Uh, yeah. And we played a lot. And he taught me so much playing music. Yeah. You know, don't, you're back there playing drums, but play the song. Like, play the song. Don't, you're not. It's not here for you or him or whatever. Yeah. You know, you get your solo. Not yeah. me. I'm drums. I hate doing drum solos. I like watching them. But you know, it's about the song. It's not about one guy in the band. Um, unless you're Elvis Presley and Steel. You know, yeah. the guys yeah. back there got their band. You got to make the right. band sound good. Sure. It's, it's sure. not a. Uh, you know, so I learned that a lot. And playing with different accomplished players every weekend, we we would meet the bass player and meet the keyboard player usually an hour before the gig. Because there's so many players that were just like, hey, you playing tonight. I got a gig this weekend. That puts a demand on your capabilities. Yeah, and you you're, come in and you it'll humble you quick yes. if you think you're good. You turn around and you got a solid yeah. bass player turns around like and gives you that look like, yeah. what are you doing? Or yeah. just tighten up. Yeah. And, and also the 45-minute ride home with your dad is it gets quiet if you're screwing around well, on stage. He'll look back at you like, what are you doing back there? Well, you know, <laughs> tighten I tell you, up. Me loving the kind of music, and I love all kinds of music, but again, I'm grounded in in that, that soul R&B uh, you know, 70s era type of thing. And to me, there's nothing worse than a bass player and drummer who are not in sync. Oh, uh, yeah. The, the, pe- people have to understand how important that is, that mm-hmm. those two gel. Because if those two aren't together, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. <laughs> you mean the best guitar player in the world with a shitty bass player and drummer? It you doesn't can't, work. It just doesn't work. Horrible. You um, fe- do you feel that 100%. stress? Do you feel that responsibility? Yeah, but... Uh, my right foot and his thumb, you know, you know, his, I, we gotta, we gotta yeah. connect. And that's, what, that's, and you can really get away with, I've done my whole life is being, um, just a groove drummer. Yeah. You groove, you can take every gig that way. Um, everybody's not going to hire the drummer who's super technical and he's all over the place if yeah. he can't groove with a bass yeah. player. But if you can just groove with that bass player, you can get 90% of the gigs cause the bass player loves you and yeah. you lock in yeah. with him and you can just be solid. And and especially my little drum kit, I can't go crazy on that right. thing. I've only got a few little funny sounds here and there. But you and Ronnie that night here on my on my porch up there, uh, uh, you, you guys, for that being you guys' first gig here at my yeah. place, you guys were solid. Thank you. And he's you guys were in a solid player, and he's a great musician overall. He's a so great he musician. A, I love the way really he good can ear. float between the Americana type of thing that you guys are doing in Elderwoods over to to rock which i've heard him do and then of course over to the traditional latin stuff from mm-hmm. he's from i want to hear Brazil. more of him i've only heard him Dude in Elderwoods. pretty amazing i got yeah. to play with him once uh this was a long time ago and what i did didn't make it to the to the final track it was for a uh, mud rod song and i was playing bass and uh ronnie was on the drums and there were a couple times and this was in a studio out in uh, myundal and a couple of times in between, uh, 
uh, takes, he and I would just kind of pull back and do some jazzy mm-hmm. little stuff. And the dude is the dude is solid. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's mean, versatile. Yeah, very, and solid in every genre. And I heard he's he a hits. great background singer. I've only yes. heard him a little bit uh, hitting some notes on, yeah. but uh, but he's super humble as well. You know, he's and he's very, super he's just chill. Guy. <laughs> he's super he's chill. so sweet. He holds calm the band together and, when yes, we don't know yeah. where we're going. You yeah. look and he'll go and. <laughs> We, we had to play behind it. somebody the first time I played with Elderwoods. We weren't Elderwoods, but it was us three backing up a girl named Crystal yes. at Union Scene. I need to meet her. I've yeah. heard so much from she's, it. I'm on about killer. her. Yeah. I'd love to meet her. Yeah. Um, and then we practiced. Crystal, if you need a lyricist, yeah. <laughs> give me a holler. <laughs> um, and, and we had to learn her songs on the yeah. fly. And um, yeah. no matter how many times we practice, I'm like, we'll get up there. We'll be fine. Yeah. And, uh, Roni was the one who would go, okay, remember this is coming up. I mean, he, he remembered he's a all great the songs musician, he internalized. And, and, and he's, he, he, he packages that in such a calm, quiet thing, but he's got a, he's got so much knowledge in him. Yeah. So I, I, I love that guy. Yeah. I love him to death. Give me, um, two, two or three drummers and two or three basses that you think are, mm. and they don't have to be in the same band. Okay. Um, two or three drummers. Drummers. Let me see. Always a hard one. Um, I would have to say Butch Trucks from the Almond Brothers. That's mm-hmm. who I grew up listening to. Um, I can't remember a single drummer now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm good. It's a funny one, but I learned so much, and uh, nobody knows him, of course. My dad's old drummer, Jerry Loden, uh, God bless him, he's no longer with us. Learned a lot from that guy. Um, yeah. um so he's not famous, but. Man, he was a, a, a great yeah. bar drummer. Um, yeah. And any fancy guys? Anything like uh, yeah. like a John Blackwell, Neil Peart? Uh, yeah, I mean everybody tried to get me into Dave Weckl. Any of those guys? Weckl's awesome. Yeah. Um, I listened to a lot of him. Um, Kenny Arnoff, um, solid ah, drummer. Okay. Um, crazy dude. I had I hung out with him one night in Amsterdam, uh, in Athens. Um, He's friends with the music store, the my old boss at the music store. So we hung out. Uh, Garibaldi, which I don't even want to get, you know, Tower of Power. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, and yeah, I just yeah. Um, there's just. Do so you find something works. to pull from? Yeah, still, still licks. Yeah. But I, I love. I, my, uh, my wife's an artist, so she's quite visual. Oh. And her Instagram is completely silent. Paint, painting artist? No, uh, more like photography. And okay. she works at the um, the Kunst Center here um, next to Union Scene. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Couture uh, School. Uh, uh, no, uh, no, the, the actual art Couture gallery. Bus- oh, the, the actual gallery. Bus- oh, cool. Uh, Buskurid. Um, uh, can't say the word. Buskurid Kunstversammling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like that, yeah. So it's funny because her Instagram is completely silent. Uh-huh. And she scrolls. She hates mine because mine is. <laughs> and she's you like, guys, oh, what is your problem? So with you guys your are very different, and yet somehow there's, yeah, a, there's yeah, a melding exactly. of the. Uh, our Instagrams definitely are. She's like, will you turn your Instagram down? And it, it is annoying if you're not a drummer. If you're a drummer, it's fun. Um, but I watch all these stupid. I don't even know some of their names anymore. But I li- watch all of the the Instagram drummers. There which, are some very stupid. Good, uh, some crazy, and I want to learn those licks, but I also have just much fun watching them. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> so, it's not that's not your style. You're you're, gonna, you're in the pocket. And I'm too old crew. to start becoming that. You, you know, Carter so? Beaufort. 
Um, Do you think yeah, so? yeah. I can't. I wouldn't even sit down You're for still three better, hours a aren't day. You? Come on. Yeah, now. I would. I would say. I don't know. My my bones are hurting as I get older. Uh, it gets it gets a. Uh, and I've been picking up that forget, baby we can, every well, day. Man, yeah. it's killing me. And we can't forget week. how physical drumming is. Yeah, it is. Um, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'll ever have the time, nor what if I have any that much time. I need to learn Norwegian uh, and, and actually I was sit ask down. You I gotta, later on, yeah. how's your Norwegian uh, coming yeah, along? Uh, Kleinbecha, which is actually in Dutch. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> so that's, that's why you answer in Dutch all the time. Kleinbecha. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know enough. Working I can count home, to one to ten, and I can name my animals. <laughs> well, uh, and, and working from home on your nine to five and being in a music environment is not a necessity. Yeah, it's but not. do you feel at times a little Guilty, out of yeah. place? Guilt yeah, maybe? they yeah, they say jokes, but um, I'm also a drummer, so half the time we don't know what they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're always joking. And we're like, huh, what? <laughs> um, no, but I, yeah, I do. And uh, even me and Ronnie spoke about it, and he mm. said, yeah, because uh, you know he's Brazilian. He yeah. and he said, yeah, it helps to learn because you you get the jokes that they're saying. Yeah, you kind of feel a little Ra more included. Just Raymond in always says jokes about me when we get on the stage, and everybody <laughs>, laughs. And I'm like, what'd you like, say? And he goes, say? I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. <laughs> um, but I, I need to learn so that my wife and daughter don't talk about me. Honestly, it's really just out of that. <laughs> it's, uh, well, I, it's, I, I think it's such a beautiful language. It is I think beautiful. It's so cool. Especially coming from it. Holland. It's a, that's, well, that, it's Dutch, a little rough thing. Little, little, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's, a, it's a beautiful language. For me, it's just cool that yeah. I can speak it. It, I, is, I, I it just, sounds good. You can speak it? Quite fluent, okay, actually. Okay, man, I've been yeah. on uh, TV a lot, uh, NRK, TV2, and stuff oh. like that for television stuff. So, oh, okay. Yeah, because, so, I mean, I would love to, um, um, and just so I could, you know, speak the same language as my daughter. Yeah. So I, I do want to start learning. Um, for some reason, with both Ronnie and Raymond, I speak English with them. Yeah. I think something happened in our friendship, getting to know each other. We just kind of defaulted to English, but otherwise and they speak English perfectly too. And, so. and, they, and they do. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, um, how do I say this? When I'm at home with my family, I speak only English mm -hmm. when I'm here. I've got to relax. I want to, you know, yeah. breathe out and be myself. So I need to do that in, in English. And then, um, when I have guests come here, even though they're Norwegian, I speak English at home. But if I'm out and about, everything goes in uh, in Norwegian. Yeah. Everything. Okay, that's good. Um, Do I, they answer you in Norwegian, or they know you're? If I, if, when you speak Norwegian, say to a person at a bar, do they? Or uh, mainly bartenders and stuff. If, do they answer if they you in know, English? If they know that I'm from the states, they will most often answer me in English. Yeah. Which is odd. Yeah, that's think, how they did in Amsterdam as well. So that's, I that's why I blame me not learning Dutch because they had just <laughs> answered you. <laughs> um, okay, so you, you mentioned a few drummers. Give me a couple, three basses hmm. that do something for you. Um, again, got to go to the roots. Barry Oakley, um, yeah. Almond Brothers. Um, let's see. Um, man. Uh, rock, like, pop bassist. I, now I'm coming up with more drummers, but <laughs> uh, basis. Uh, is somebody like Geddy Jack, Lee Rush? Is he too busy no, for you? No, too much is for it? me. W uh, Victor Wooten. Oh, um, yes. I love Wooten Brothers. Uh, I got to be his his bass tech once. Did you? Super. How good. cool And he came and did a clinic at the music store. 
I um, love watching his clinics on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, he's just in he the whole really family. Man. All those an, boys are just amazing. I, yeah, watch I, don't know him every too, day. I don't know too much about his brothers, though. Oh, they're great. Uh, but, they're but just he, the best. I just love his teaching style. When I watch his workshops on YouTube, he lays music out there in a way that's easily understood for somebody like me that doesn't know much about theory. He's kind of talking the 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 nuts and bolts of it without getting fancy technical and too much mm-hmm. theory. And yet he's Victor Wooten playing yeah. the way he does. So he knows the theory, but he knows how to teach it to an average. And, and he says that. on the beginning of one of his tutorial VHS, and I'm dating myself now, uh, VHS, <laughs> he says, if you want to play in a band, turn this video off right now. Oh, because <laughs> uh, he, he gets out there and he knows he does, but that's his thing. And, and, if you want to see a show that'll blow your head off is when the Wooten brothers get together and they tour, that show will leave you either that. wanting to practice when you get home and every day for the rest of your life or quit music tomorrow. Because I need to see that. it's the coolest thing, man. Um, I mean, you got yeah. Future Man, Reggie, yeah. I mean, everybody is unbelievable and they're sweetest freaking dudes ever. Yeah, I love it. And Again, I, I, got my, I got my third bass yeah. player and, and I'm going to self-promote here. Brom von Lungen from my album. He is the best bass player I've ever played with. Um, awesome. He is, um, in all due respect, a music nerd. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, unbelievable. I just love his tastes. Cool. Uh, he's the funnest bass player I've played with ever. Excellent. Uh, and, just, and we really lock in. He can, and we don't do this in Shaggy Grays, uh, the band, my main band in Amsterdam and in my heart. Um, we do whatever we want in the songs. Yeah. We have the thing, but we don't have to, like, you have to do it this and then build up here. We do whatever kind we're feeling in the crowd. Just, yeah. We got the song, um, but we change and get crazy at the exact same time, like, you know, just for, yeah. if he just feels it, we change immediately into yes. exactly what we're doing, yeah. and it's so much fun. Uh, I love, love, love playing with that guy. Um, just killer musician all around, but I think he studied bass. And, yeah, uh, just unbelievable. And he's on so many albums. If if you've listened to anybody coming out of Amsterdam, singer songwriter, he's the guy. He's on everybody's albums. Awesome. Um, that's so. that, that's just so cool to have those kind of people around mm-hmm. you. I've always it's, been fortunate enough. I'm. My dad always said, if you're the best player in the band, you're in the wrong band. Oh, uh, I very much agree. If you're with the smartest that. guy in yeah. the room, you're in the wrong room. Very much um, agree with that. Yeah, so, absolutely. So I've always surrounded myself with unbelievable musicians who've kind of. Um, almost supported me and made me more legitimate yeah. <laughs> because like, Oh, you know him, you know him. Um, well, well, that's, that's, that's another thing that's so beautiful about. And again, we were talking about the difference between main, the mainstream, uh, uh, Norwegian social society and the Norwegian musician society. That's two different things. Mm-hmm. That, thing of acceptance of being recognized for your talent but also that you can also see the talent of others and you talk about it and you you lift each other up and you say it mm. whereas in regular society we're busy and we have our job and our family and oh yeah so-and-so is cool but did you tell so-and-so that he's cool and that he's a good person exactly you but gotta... we do that in the music world we'll tell yeah. that bass player that he's good yeah we'll tell that vocalist that they had a great set that night you know mm-hmm. it's different i don't know it I, is I, funny yeah I, I i think for for me anyway i get so much and i think most of my friends are musicians yeah definitely um, and that just enriches my life mm-hmm. and and i think that we're when we walk in these circle of friends, it's a blessing. We're lucky. We're fortunate. It's funny. I mean, you know, as a kid, on a playground, you run up with 
to somebody and you say, Hey, you want to, you want to play with me? And that's acceptable. And then you play and your buddies Yeah. and you never, you never lose that. If you're a musician, you <laughs> right. can just see somebody, you want to play with wanna me? Play with me? Uh, yeah. And, 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 <laughs> it's, and, and, you know, and that's what I love. And, and I am guilty that all like 90% of my friends were, uh, were musicians because yeah. I love to talk about music and I was so busy that I was playing so much that when I wasn't playing, I didn't want to hang out at a bar. I was always at a bar, oh, and I gosh. and I kind of want to sit at home and be alone yeah. and quiet. So yeah. I wasn't. And I do have a few friends. I and mean, my buddy Brett moved to Amsterdam. Um, it's a business colleague, but we're friends. And he moved, and I said when I first met him, you know, he, he, they're kind of a vendor of my the company. And then I said, yeah, I'll show you around, but just just so you know, man, we're probably not going to hang out. Like I'm busy, uh, and I only really hang out with musicians. Yeah. He said, I can carry gear. And well, I was like, you know what? I'm on a bicycle with a drum set. Can you? And and he was the best roadie I had. I Thanks, Brett. Um, and and he and he really got into the scene as well. Um, but he was one of the few that wasn't a musician that was hanging around. And uh, yeah. and uh, it was funny because I was straight up with him. I said, look, like we're not we're not hanging out a lot. I don't have time for non musicians because I'm always busy playing. Yeah. And I said that to a to a, a rapper uh, in uh, in Amsterdam last time I was back, and he's having kids as well. And he said maybe. Maybe you need to um, hang out with, have you met people? And I said, I'm meeting some musicians. And yeah. he said, no, I mean like people. People. <laughs> <laughs> and he said like other fathers and stuff. I said, why in the hell would I do that? I'm not, I don't want to go play dates. Like if play, yeah, if I'm, if a bass player as a kid. But like, I get that. Like, I, I, I he find... said, you have to have other friends and musicians. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> well, you, you do and you don't, and you don't. I guess when I, when I think about how the, the COVID times affected people it seemed like people who aren't into any kind of art you know the people that just work a nine to five and they have a family or they don't have a family but they're just doing the nine to five thing it seems like those are the people who suffered psychologically the most whereas my artists my writer friends my musicians of course, some of them stressed because there were some gigs that, of course, you know, went right down the yeah. toilet. But they were fine psychologically. In fact, some of them, myself included, reached a creative high point yeah. during during Corona. So it's a, it's a different mentality. Mm -hmm. It's a it's um. I often I guess, wonder what people think about because I always look. You know, I got a gig Friday. Or I've got a gig in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And that breaks up my life. Even that, it could be the same gig every two weeks, and it's still, that's, I'm looking forward to that. But often, and me and my dad have kind of joked about this, I'm like, what do non-musicians look forward to? Yeah. I yeah. mean, obviously, but because we get to be non-musicians, but also musicians. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess, you know, football players must think that about people too, but mm -hmm. I, I don't want to go run around on the field and kick a ball either. You know, so, <laughs> but, but I, I really can't understand... Uh, not playing music. Well, I think it's 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 different for us in the sense that the work that we do with music also encompasses our social life because we're friends with the people with whom we work mm -hmm. with music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, I'll, I'll never forget. Here's a here's a perfect story to to kind of cement that thought that musicians are just good people. Uh, and it really cements the fact that most of my friends are musicians, especially my close friends. When my son passed, which was actually uh, a year ago, two days ago. What is, what's the date today? Oh. Today is, the, yeah, two days ago was the fifth. It was a year, um, 
uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't a year ago, but it was the anniversary of my son's passing. It was four years ago, actually. But after he passed on the 5th of November, 2019, on the 10th, because I couldn't, uh, I was cut out of his burial process. But my friends, most of them were sitting at that table when we were out here uh, jamming, jamming while I was feeding you fools. But uh, <laughs> uh, it was those people, every one of them, a musician who came and brought some food and some goodwill and had a memory moment mm -hmm. here in my living room for my son. Yeah, And I'll never forget that. And that tells that tells me something about who really cares, who are the most important people in my life and who also thinks that I'm important in their life. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was six or seven people, like I say, most of them were sitting at that table there who came in there. Every one of them was a musician. Yeah. And I don't think you can have, I mean, of course you can have those kind of relationships if you're uh, working in tech and you're sitting in a cubicle. You can have friends yeah. and cubicles beside you, but it's there's something different about there's something more intimate when you're friends with a vocalist who gives his or her soul on that microphone especially it's, if you've played together that's a different exactly it's like when you share moments like that it's very intimate and it cements a different social structure and a different friendship with yeah, those kind of people i agree um it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, and I think, I mean, I guess a lot of hobbies are like that, but there's a lot of people that don't have hobbies, um, you know, that just work, yeah. just go to the bars on the weekends. That's what they look forward to. And then you start all over. And, you know, I would, yeah, you know, um, I, I People enjoyed, are people and everybody wants something different, but I would have to have more of dynamic mm -hmm. to my to my life than yeah. that. And we get that with music, don't yeah. we? Yeah, I didn't mean, I mean to cut you off. But. Oh no, no, um, and, and I just yeah, I absolutely love playing large, small, whatever. Just, yeah. Um, biggest venue you played at? Oh, um, biggest or most people? <laughs> biggest uh, most biggest people. venues probably. Uh, That's right. You played for nobody before. So. Yeah, I played. I played a lot of big places and nobody there. Uh, biggest venue probably Georgia. It's like a dome or whatever. Uh, it's where the hockey player, they do hockey there. I don't know what oh, yeah. it's called anymore. Georgia uh, uh, something. Open up for Blind Boys of Alabama, ah. which is really cool. I got to sound check his drum set because they were, they don't really come on stage until they cool. come on stage because there's a lot of, you know, somebody's got to bring them up there. So the guy said, you want to uh, sound check his drum set? And it was yeah. a huge arena, 10,000 seats. Yes. I think only about 2,500 people were there. Um and I've played Paradiso, Milkweg in Amsterdam. Those are the big places. Um, yeah. Coolest gig I think I've ever played. Thomas Bjorka. Uh, you know him? Do you know him? I know who he he's, is. I've never okay. met him. He's, I uh, should invite him on the show, actually. He's great. I guy's very sweetest dude ever. Uh, I love him. Uh, I love his... his you know, can I name drop you and contact, I can contact him and invite him on the show? I told him I was coming now. He okay. just messaged me about a guitars in Amsterdam, like prices and stuff. And uh, I said, I'm about to go to John Allen's to do the podcast. Awesome. He said, okay, let me know when it's on. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm sure he'd love it. Um, and, and he's just the funnest dude. Um, he says he doesn't speak English well. He speaks perfectly well, just modest. Um, but we, he, he asked me to, I said, hey, I'm coming to my parents-in-law's cabin for Easter weekend up uh, in like Nesbian. 
and I, and he lives up Beautiful there. Beautiful little town. Yeah, and, and he's, he lives up there, and he's uh, just a town next to it. And he said, oh, okay, I got six gigs. I said, okay, calm down. Uh, like, <laughs> can I pick? And he will pick one. If you're going to pick one, make it be this one. It's mm-hmm. an after-ski. And I'd been to an after-ski here where there was two guys playing with a backing track, and there was people in the cafe sipping coffee, and nobody listened to them. And yeah. I thought that was what it was going to be like. <laughs> and we're open up for Stasman, and I like I don't know who Stasman is. Um and Stazeman, Stazeman, uh, everybody else in Norway does. Um, and <laughs> you wouldn't know who he was if yeah. you listened to his music. He's a really cool guy. But uh, uh, so I showed up and, and it's in Yilo. Um, Beautiful and I thought town. it was going to be in a little cafe. And I walked in and he's like, you'll see the tent. And it was a humongous tent, tons of people everywhere. Yeah. Easter weekend, everybody's skiing at the bottom of the slopes. And I go in, light show. Um, huge stage barrier in front of the stage. And I said, what? Why is there a barrier in front of the stage? Norwegians aren't that wild. Yes, they are. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, And and we were the opener for three or four hours, and then the headliner came up. So we played the first set. You guys got three or four hours of time as an opener. Yeah. um, We played three sets, like took breaks. and Wow, um, awesome. And we were doing whatever songs. The He said, man, and I said, can you send... Thomas is is a joker when it comes to, like... He just starts songs. Mm-hmm. One, I had to call him and say, "Can you send me a set list?" No, um, <laughs> and and, he, and I was like, "Well, you make a Spotify playlist of the songs so I can at least hear them because there's got to be some Norwegian stuff in there that I don't know." Norwegian songs don't change the same. No, they don't. They don't. They they'll hold on to a chord. They a arrange different than American. They really are. Yeah, it's funny. Absolutely. Um, so I made him do that. I try to listen on the way up to the gig. My phone doesn't, me and technology, I have an IT company and technology never works around me. But uh, it, it, my phone wouldn't work, so I go, okay, I'm going to wing it. And I get there, it didn't matter because he just starts the songs anyway. He turns around and winks at you and you're like, man, or you like, count it off. And I go, count what off? You know, like, <laughs> I love it. And he, it, I love, love playing with him. Um, and then, so we started playing, almost nobody in the tent. And he said, don't worry, second no set, more people getting up there. Third set, 2,000 people. Awesome. And that the barrier got used. Like I was sitting there watching, like this girl's gonna pass out over the barrier, uh, and then boom, she's out. And they drag her <laughs> off, throw her out the back. That's rock and roll. And it, it was cool, man. <laughs> it was the funniest gig, and I brought a friend to help me with my gear. And at the end of the gig, Thomas like, "Hey, we got another gig tonight." He plays like twice on the weekends every night, and him and his wife um, and the bass player just said, "He goes, all right, see you later." And he walks out the back of the tent. Yeah. And I'm there. My guy calls me like, can I help you with your gear? I'm like, you can't get here. These people are the drunkest people I've ever seen in my life. And the I've been to beer fest and I've been to football games in university. Yeah. And it, they were wild. And uh, I had to I had to literally, I said, don't don't come here. Well, you'll never be able to get through the crowd yeah. with my gear anyway. So I unzipped the tent, pushed my cajon and stuff out yeah. and um, threw it over the fence and then climbed on the, like doing those little rubber fence, yeah. you know, yeah. at the the little temporary and yeah. climbed on the fence and then dragged the stuff out and then came in the front door and they were like, ticket, please. I'm like, man, I got a cowboy hat on. Like, obviously I'm not a skier. <laughs> right. I wasn't skiing. And it was like, right. oh yeah, I'm like the only person with a cowboy hat. Let me in free. That worked. He's like, all right, come in. You know, you're a cowboy. <laughs> you're obviously not here. I was like, I was on drums. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, but you know, places yeah. like that, like Yailo, uh, with the ski uh, environment and all that stuff, there's a lot of money up there. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that. And every once in a while, you find some kind of surprisingly big gig yeah that all of a sudden is set up in a place like that yeah yeah uh yeah. in Stasman, he's like a party norwegian stuff i do not know who that is I yeah uh, check that. him out i mean i his songs are i don't want to i mean he's highly successful um his songs are silly i i 
I, I translated it to some moments like something about pizza, <laughs> just the stupidest songs. But like we were even playing, like I like let my parents-in-law watch some videos from my gig, and my my mother-in-law was like, "That's a children's song y'all are playing," and everybody's singing along, and it was just like he was like, "Just do we do the the good parts of the song?" Sometimes I was like, "In there a bridge here?" It's like doesn't matter. The people are so drunk. We could play the same songs over and over. They didn't mind. They just wanted to sing Summer of 69 and stuff like that. But it was so much fun. I, I don't want to compare because I don't know anything about performing uh, back in the States. I didn't I didn't do music until I came here. But one thing about uh, the Norwegian crowds is that they can get very crazy and they do drink a lot. I didn't realize they do because my wife and her friends, they aren't like they maybe I'm like feel like I'm the only guy drinking. Something happens though on those parties those, and I have two beers. You something know, happens on really, those Friday, Saturday nights they, when there's music in a club or a pub wow, or a man. stage somewhere. They go crazy. They do. Um, there's a few stand places on stage here too. And stand on stage and watch them and they, 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 it's... I feel like I'm back in the honky tonks again, you know. <laughs> it's uh, where, where, yeah, but uh, yeah, I've had to, I played Dickens with Thomas um, and he was like, they're, they get drunk up here. Uh, and it was like the Elven Festival or whatever. Elven Festival. Elven yeah. Festival. And yeah. uh, and there was a guy who kept like buying me whiskey, which I don't like whiskey, but I do like free whiskey. Um, <laughs> so I was drinking it, but he kept like grabbing my symbol because we were right there. And he kept like grabbing my yeah. symbol. Olaf, you know who you are. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> I've been playing those places. And for those you know people who are too drunk to be in places my yeah. whole life, yeah. that's where I started. Yeah. So I know how to deal with them. I would just yeah. hit him, hit his hand yeah. with the brush <laughs> and then he would go back and I'd hit his hand again. And uh, it was all night, a little cat and mouse game we played. But oh, I yeah, it, they, there's some, some funny places where they just get hammered, um, you know, but... <laughs> But then you go to places like um, um, not Dickens here locally. Um, There's Pavarotti. Pavarotti, yeah. You go to places like Pavarotti, and to me, that's more of a musician's. Yeah, yeah. Place. They're they're, and they're a little more serious. Yes, yeah. they're a little more serious. Yeah. I remember I didn't really understand that there were places like that until there used to be a place in Oslo called Smuga. In fact, okay. actually, maybe they opened again. I think they reopened. Is Pavarotti reopened? Yeah. yeah. Smuga was closed for all. It was a very popular place in Oslo. Um, uh, Bruce Springsteen played there. Uh, uh, Eric Clapton did like an after uh, show there. Prince was there doing after I'm going to tell you Prince story too. He later. did some after shows in Amsterdam like that too. Yeah. And uh so so I knew about Smuga before I came to Norway. And well dog on it, I got a chance to play there. Actually Snoopy booked it. She was my my booking agent back in those days. And so I'm there with my band and we perform and after the first song people some of them were literally sitting there like this. And I'm like, gosh, we suck. They don't like us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we played a couple more songs. And then there's one song we played. It's kind of like a, a, a get up and dance minute or get up and dance uh, moment uh, in the song where I, uh, the band is vamp. And I say, y'all can dance if you want to. Everybody just stood there. I'm like, oh. Someone must have respect that. Probably they're just like, I want to just watch. Well, I'm like, this is, we, we, we suck. I just didn't understand what was happening. But after we were done, I couldn't leave the place for two hours because of all of these musicians that were in the crowd coming up and wanting to talk about the songs. They were they were cool. they were studying us. Yeah. So it just kind of opened my eyes to a new dynamic. And then um, 
I haven't I, I haven't been at Pavarotti in yeah since before COVID, but I got the impression then that that was a a musician's gathering place. And and now to give him a plug because I love this place, Drummond's Cultura Culturahus. I'm saying Culturus, yeah, yeah. That place is awesome. That's my little place now. Um, I was just there a couple weekends ago. Yeah, they, I was gonna say when you when you said you do stand up comedy, they do a stand up comedy night. I'm going there tomorrow night. Awesome. Yeah, um, yeah and I do there I uh, once a month. I might get on the mic tomorrow night. Nice. I'm on the guest list, so I'll be at least watching, and I just yeah. might get up and do a Man. little bit. Yeah, um, we'll see. I, I love stand up comedy. I didn't know they did anything in English there, but uh, I I'm one of the few in this area that does. But, okay, uh, and it's not because I'm not fluent in Norwegian because I am, but if I want to be myself and be funny, I have to do it in yeah. English, and I it it yeah. works. It works. Yeah. So they do a once a month uh, open acoustic open stage there. And that's, that's right. That's, that's the place right. now, man. I love that When's place. When's the next time? Uh, I'm funny you ask. Uh, it's November 26th, and they and I'm the featured artist that night. Oh, you so are. I'm doing the first 20 minutes, and then everybody else gets up and they. I'm do gonna two come. Songs. I'm gonna sit right in the please front row. Please do. Center. I'm please gonna... do. I'm look right over your I'm head. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll also uh, after the first, I went there and played uh, the first one they did. They did one over summer. I missed because I was in Amsterdam, exiled from Norway until I got my residence. And then, uh, and then I did the the first one they did in September, and I went up there and played. And before I left the house, my wife said, uh, "Don't be nervous." And I was like, "I don't get nervous playing music." And I was sitting there, and damn it, I was like, "Oh, now I'm getting nervous. I don't get nervous playing drums. I don't care how big it is. I love, especially that little drum set because that's yeah. that's like my fifth limb." Right. Um, it's but, different but though when you there, come forward and you're yeah when you're out front I was like damn yeah. this is why I'm on drums um, yeah. but I do enjoy it uh, so I got up there and I played and the first song I played I went for that bridge and was a half step off I went oh, oh. Sh- where and then the bridge just doubled so I had to come back around and <laughs> and, and I always knew what that a was and then and I was like oh my god and I got out finished the song. You only get two songs, and I just made everybody laugh after it. Mm-hmm. And then I went on the second song, and it sounded good. And then they called me the next day and said, hey, do you want to do um, a support act for uh, Leadfoot, which is December 8th? Buy yeah. your tickets now. Um, so 8th. So that's that's, that's my first. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, so. It's a great venue. So I get I to do this there. November 26th thing. At the open mic, which I'm now, I'm part of that. I'm kind of ingrained in there. I'm gonna come um, to that. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna come check that out. Yeah, so I, won't I get sit to like front. warm I'll, up the. I'll get in the back. I get to warm up the stage there. I don't mind because it's all musicians yeah. and everybody's just there to get up and play and listen and give and respect all different uh, ability levels. Um, yeah. And then I kind of and I usually bring the drum kit because I play with yeah. Elderwoods and then I end up playing with everybody else. Yeah. Um, I heard uh, uh, Rudy Remy and the Happy yeah. Old Timers. I saw a lot of pictures from that. That guy, let me tell you, he is probably one of I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm biased because I love the guy. I yeah. love his entire family. Uh, but I think he is one of the uh, so-called undiscovered artists who should. Yeah, he's solid, a doggone man. star. Yeah. His stage presence is like no other front figure in Norway, yeah. period. I want to see him with the band, man, because he was amazing out here, and his voice is just uh, he, so thick, man. When, you, when you hear him with the band, it's just 
perfect. Of course, he is obviously the front figure, but the talent, especially with his uncle Henning on, mm. Henning was so quiet sitting here. But I he's know, a I barely get to meet him. But he's a different cat when he plays. He's one of the best guitarists in Norway, not just skills on the guitar-wise, but music-mind-wise as well. Uh, so if you ever get to see uh, Rudy Rema and the Happy Old Timers, yeah. check them out. Yeah, I was so, sad I missed that. I didn't even realize he was playing. It just kind of yeah. took up on me. I saw yeah. pictures and I was like, oh, well, yeah. Marty. Yeah, Marty dude is talented. Yeah. And then my good friend uh, Ellen Egan um, played also that same night at uh, Kulturhuset. Mm -hmm. And she's one of the best voc female vocalists in in, in Norway. Uh, beautiful songwriter. I'm so glad. She's actually singing a couple of my songs. So that's oh, yeah. that's... That's nice. that feels good, yeah. <laughs> so just uh, that that was my first taste of that venue at Kulturhuset. I think it's classy, man. I love that place. The besides stage, Union, great besides, sound. besides the main stage at Union, mm -hmm. I think that might be the best location here in Norway or yeah. in uh, Drammen, actually. Uh, um, and I'm I'm just honored in, in Drammen, not in Norway. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm yeah. honored that they even considered to you. let me do the uh, support act for Leadfoot good because for you. I screwed up. Well, Thirty percent of two one of my songs, and I got to play two. But uh, so there, I was like, "You're going on a limb here." Uh, but but then I, I, you know, I hopefully I redeem myself the next few. You know, every time I go there, I do something different. Yeah, yeah. I, I brought a uh, my buddy Mati on, on bass clarinet last time. Huh. I was like, you know, there's not enough bass clarinet in country music, so tonight we're gonna have. Well, so he go. got up and we played, and I played drums with my feet, <laughs> and I that caught that kit I can play with my feet, kind of, you know, with bass drum, pedal, and yeah. tambourine, and then guitar. And uh, and that was fun. How so do I you just do keep, that? How yeah, do you, don't think the, about it is one where, thing. While you're doing it, don't ever think about what you're I, doing. I have I to me the big. I'm I'm at my best in a live setting if I'm just singing. Let me mm. just sing. And I can't imagine just singing. Oh gosh, I that's that's where that. that's where I'm best. The minute I try to sing and play, I'm I'm a mm. fool. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Um, the coordination, the mental work that has to go into that, yeah. I just I, I can't tackle. I figure I'm not the best guitar player. I'm not the best singer. Not the best drummer, but if I knew it all at the same time, I could at least impress somebody. But drummers have this yeah. built-in musical—I call it musical coordination. Uh, my good friend Kato yeah. Christensen, Hans Kato Christensen, kind of. is a drummer. He's a drummer vocalist. Reminds me of Don Henley. Yeah, I he'll love sit that. on the drums yeah. and sing. Uh, but when he also play, he he's another one who's got this crazy timing on acoustic guitar with finger picking and stuff, and he doesn't lose a beat when he's singing. And I think that that's the drummer yeah. in him that allows him to do that. You probably have, I haven't heard you uh, uh, sing live, but you probably have that too. I think it's a drummer thing. Yeah, maybe. It's a musical coordination yeah. that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. I kind of, that was my little thing. Uh, I, I never really did my own show in Amsterdam ever. I only did an open mic every Tuesday, which was kind of all the. The uh, singer-songwriters would come in in Amsterdam and do that every Tuesday, and that was like my little second home. Um, and that's the only time I stood up and played guitar by myself. Otherwise, yeah. I was playing with Shaggy Grays, yeah. and in the middle they say, we got a special guest, and they would hand the guitar to me, and <laughs> Dean would sing back on vocals, and then the yeah. bassist would sing background and play yeah. bass, and then I would do guitar and drums. And uh, cool. we do our little country, you know, I get two or three songs in the middle and then go back to our, our big show. But that's the most I've ever done as my band, but I want to start my band here in Norway, um, yeah, and just do my, you know, first and last album and maybe a cover. Well, you certainly know enough people to put that together. Yeah, I'm trying to get the. You're the, out there, man. Yeah, thank you. I'm 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 pushy when it comes to that, and, and I'm I'm asking a lot of guitar players around town. Um, 
I, I want somebody local so that we can just kind of meet up and pick and stuff. Because uh, well, you I love, have more than enough. Yeah, in this area. I, I need so like a chicken talented. picking kind of because yeah. my the guitar players on my album. I mean, if Quentin Dean on slide guitar um, and my father, which he can't play with me, he's too far away. Yeah. But uh, you know, slide guitarist, and then and then David Rick on uh, electric guitar, and he's phenomenal. So yeah. it's hard to. Get somebody that can copy those licks. Yeah, um, they're out there though. Yeah, Local, yeah. Oh, locally. definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, and and they are, but they're busy. <laughs> That's the only That's problem. That's the thing. The timing. Uh, oh. And I want to play with Thomas as well. Uh, and he's already learned my songs, but he's two hours away and he's busy. He's busy. Yeah. Really busy. So I'm like, oh, it's gonna be tough. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I'm thinking even doing just a weird of not weird, but uh, you know, use Mati on uh, on like clarinet, bass clarinet. Yeah. Do something, maybe drums with my feet and guitar, and then get a bassist. Yeah, or, or get a, a you know, just do something weird. I don't know, not yeah. a, not a typical country band. So then it'll be kind of a little bit different. If you ever need a different kind of backing vocal, All give right. me a holler, yes. man. Yes, give uh, me a holler. I will. I will. <laughs> um, yeah, you might be able to hit those southern notes. Uh, the funniest thing was recording backing vocals with Europeans. Uh, my it's first album was a process. German girl. <laughs> It's a different process. And I was like, Mate, what are you saying? And then she would say the words perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Well, well, here's one of the things that I do is vocal coaching here in in uh, in, in Norway for 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 vocalists mm -hmm. on albums because they get very precise when they pronounce the and and, the, and then they sing that way. Yeah. Because they don't want to be wrong, so they overdo yeah. it. You know. Uh, uh, if they're singing the Beatles, they wouldn't sing "Get Back." They would say "Get Back." Yeah, the T. So, so to try yeah. and coach them away from that, there's actually a niche for yeah. any, any American musicians, vocalists. If you have a music mind, there's jobs for you out there. I'm just gonna tell. Maybe I'm giving yeah. away some of my business, but there are jobs out there because that is very necessary for these Norwegian vocalists to get that coaching mm -hmm. on the, on the vocal stuff. But maybe you can hide it more if it's a background or, or no, man, uh, Dean and he's Canadian, um, and amazing singer. Um, and he's Canadian, South African, but he oh, sounds, he sounds like an American, you know, yeah. for, um, but when we were doing vocal, do them live, and you and I don't really hear what he's saying because I'm so focused on yeah. the drums and everything. I'm not paying attention. I know he's got his part. He's yeah. he's gonna be fine. Yeah. But we went in the studio, and uh, so the song "Fingerprints," uh, the last song on the new album, there's a line that says, uh, "When I get out, the first thing I'm I'm on do." So I'll, I'll say it like. The, the words are, the, when I get out, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to find another woman that's just as mean as you. <laughs> he said that when we were recording. <laughs> first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to be. It sounded good. Not like that. But, you know, yeah. that, that, that pronunciation yeah. and the engineer just like, stop. stop. And he looked at me and I went, yeah, we're yeah. going to have to dumb that down a lot. Yeah. And, and I had to go. Let me just spell. And he goes, well, I'm just reading off the words. And I said, yeah, I, I, when I write, I write perfectly. But that's not how I say it. I'm, the first thing I'm on, it's French. First thing I'm on do, yeah. I'm on do. There you go. Is I'm going to find another woman that's there just you, mean as you. But I don't write, I write the way I. Uh, but I write phonetically now because I screwed up so, okay. I mean, so okay. many yeah. people reading the background vocals. And I'm like, oh, and, and a lot of my songs change by the time I've sing them so many times. And then yeah. I go grab the old lyrics and give them to him. Like, that's not actually how I sing it anymore. Well, I, from the get go, I've uh, when I first started my, my first songwriting gig was back in 2003. I had been here less than a year and I started writing the first Remy Brothers album. 
And from the get go, and I don't know why I just, I wrote phonetically, you know, I, di- I didn't write is not, I wrote ain't. Yeah. I didn't write going to, I wrote but gonna. Go- it's I put the way gone. I'm, yeah. Yeah. And, and gone, yeah. I've, I've done that too. I'm gone. You know, it's, I, I write the, and I think it's, I don't know. Is it cool? No, I don't want to say it's cool. I think it's cool. It's it's just, to me, it's more real. This is how I'm going to sing it, so this is how I'm going to write it. This is how I'm going to write it, so this is how I'm, you know. I I like that growing up reading books in in literature class and, you know, the old classics and stuff. Um, Mark Twain, you know, Huckleberry Finn, Tom That's exactly what I'm talking about. There you go. That exact book. And you had to read, like, and I'm like, and it was hard, though. You're like, man, I really got it. But your grandmother spoke like that. But then you're like, oh, now I got to read it. Like, relax a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. and then read it. To me, it's more it's more real. And it's it's just, it's a fun process to actually get in the studio with some of these Norwegian artists and talk with them about those kind of things. And they're like, it, it's it's a process for them because they're they're so, pre- they'll, they'll tell me, but I, I, I need to sing proper. Okay, but proper, let's just put that in air quotes. Because if you turn on the radio... And you listen to any American vocalist, mm-hmm. that's not how they're singing. Nah. So is that proper or is this proper? You know? Yeah. And, and I like the cultural side of, yes. of you know, yes, imagine if hip hop was all proper. <laughs> it, <laughs> Hello, it would change you know? the entire exactly. genre exactly. and exactly. country. And uh, I mean, you know, exactly. yeah. uh, very rarely are, are is music proper yeah. um, when it's. When so I, I, to me, it's just more real to write it the way I'm going to sing it. Mm-hmm. So. We've been talking. My timer says an hour and 43 minutes. Wow. And I think uh, I have to say congratulations are in order because I think this is the episode I've done that has been the most focused on music ever. Because I'm not a musical podcast. Okay. I talk about whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? I was wondering what we would. Uh, but well, yeah. well, here we go. You know, yeah. it's just it's just a conversation. It's not an interview. Yeah. It's a conversation. And I think the thing about you, uh, uh for, for anybody who's who's watching or listening, just to put a little history on you and I, this is pretty much this is the second time. Yeah, we've we've hung out, and the you first know, time was playing with, with one of well, us. We talked a little yeah, bit, yeah. but, but uh, you know, we kind of got to know each other then. So this is really us really getting yeah. to know each other, and I had no idea what we we're going to talk about. But you are so uh, musical, <laughs> literally. Thank you. Thank you. You're out there. You're doing it, and to me, that's impressive. Thank you. you know, I invite people who inspire me in some way, people who I think I can learn something from, uh, uh, people who interest me. And you you are all of those things. Oh, well, thank you. To me. So this is, this thank is you. it's been easy <laughs> to yeah, talk with thanks. you. I and knew we wouldn't have any problems talking. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, watching yeah. your show the other day, I really love Thomas what, was the uh, the other musician from Sweden. The, uh, Thomas Larson. Yeah, we yeah. actually chatted a few weeks ago um, oh, just about a Wilco album I oh, posted. Yeah, he said, This yeah, is yeah. great. That that guy I really uh, would love to meet one day, too. That song he put My, out was great. Um, yeah, I saw you commented on social media. Yeah. He's He is very talented. He's got quite the library of music that he's worked on, both his own stuff and other people's stuff as, as a producer. And he and I are going to work together. I've got a song. I want to remove my drums off of it and take it to him in Sweden. And he's going to pull in a session drummer and we're going to see what we can, nice. what we can work out nice. on a song that, that his stuff release. was pro. I'm mean, like, when I hit that link, I was like, okay, what kind of guys he have on the show? 
And I was like, oh, yeah, that's uh, and that's he, And really... he's just the most down-to-earth, beautiful. I mean, that dude, I, I felt like he was my brother from, from, from yeah, the I first conversation. Yeah, when I was chatting with him a few weeks ago. He's, he's so open. fun, really, yeah, yeah. really nice to... Yeah. And we had no reason to talk. I, I just made him... Maybe start following him because of your your, uh, well, your previous but, podcast. Well, and it's that circle of friends within the music. And you're musician, so you're like, okay. Yeah. And you know we got like 27 friends in common as well. Right. So, And then yeah. I mentioned his name to somebody else. And they're like, oh, yeah, maybe we should go yeah. record. Right, yeah. uh, he yeah. was like, yeah, I know. We should maybe record there uh, or something one day. And One of these days I want to get him here uh, uh, for a, a length of time and just pick his brain about production and engineering and stuff and maybe get him to come to some of the jam nights at Pavarotti or mm -hmm. at the Couture House or something or yeah. maybe do something here in my studio. Mm -hmm. I, lo I love that guy and I, I haven't even met him yet face to face. Oh, really? So yeah. I haven't even met okay. him face to face. Yeah. So, um, but um, you, Derek, are uh, someone who I look forward to to knowing you going forward because I think I, I, was, I was I was trying to pull something out of you about what you want to do with music later and and you have this relaxed attitude about it you don't you know you're not looking but I I, I think something big is going to happen for you thank you man Derek you know too many other good musicians <laughs> and you're too talented for something big uh, to not happen well, so you. mark my words something's gonna come well, thank you and i, and I think john Norway, the prophet yeah, I, have spoken. Hey, I, I, I have spoken listen to this man he knows what he's talking about um and i think if anywhere i was kind of a funny novelty my solo stuff was yeah. kind of funny in between the singer songwriter stuff in it's amsterdam yeah but then when I came here and I found out how much they love country music and even my yeah. wife said, this is the place. Yes. And then immediately like uh, get this support act for Leadfoot, yeah. which is, I'm like, and I saw my name on a poster. But do you see what I'm saying? And, I'm, and that made me nervous. Like, you're oh my gosh. Try, you're not really yeah. trying to make and, uh, it happen, but it's happening. And yeah. And I think Norway's already been great for me, but yeah. it's going to be really good for my music. Um, and that's what my wife said. You need to focus on your music. I know you, Derek, you're going to get in five bands playing drums and get so busy. You don't have time to do anything else, but I do want to make my own band and really try to. I can attest to that. Uh, I'm kind of in that situation. I have supposed to have released an album for the last 15 years, but I'll get a songwriting gig. I'll get a coaching gig. Uh, somebody wants me to look over their lyrics mm -hmm. and it's just been that for the last 12, 15 years. And all I have to show for it with my music is four singles out there. And I just keep shoving my, and I, I need to stop doing, you need to stop doing that. Yeah. yeah. And I think I need to stop doing yeah. that too. And and we need to put, I want to win a Spellman award. Uh, and, hey, and give man. me, everybody hey. gets one in Norway. You just get, <laughs> really get in line. But my dream, <laughs> not I, don't, everybody. I don't know that I, mean, I could, players, I don't but. think I could do that as a, well, you never know, but I don't think I could do that as a solo artist, but I would love to at least get nominated as a songwriter. Yeah, be cool that's where uh, my heart is is with yeah. the songwriting i would love to do, i don't have to win it but i just want that i mean i was here for a week and my wife's friend childhood friend was having tacos with her her partner mati who plays horns uh mm -hmm. played horns with me a few weeks ago and uh and she's in hate bluegrass orchestra yeah. and um she's the best singer in norway female singer singer uh at all uh, male or female and and she was having taco night with us and super modest. She wouldn't even tell me that. She's probably dying if she watches this and goes, don't mention me. <laughs> um, 
But she was having taco night with us. And then the next weekend, we're watching the Spellman Awards. I'm like, that's her. Yeah. And and I'm like, and I'm messaging all my friends like, dude, the girl is, you know, nominated for a Grammy, uh, you know, the Norwegian Grammy sitting well, in my living room last week. So I'm well, like, I know the right people. Well, <laughs> just well, and and it's very cool. I mean, you know, it's, it's both a, a blessing and a curse that Norway is so small when it comes to the music environment mm-hmm. and, and who you can reach. You know, the, these, these big name artists are very reachable. Yeah, they are. It's a small country. And, and most of them are very, very humble. And, and they're, yeah, with, they're humble I, and they're, you know, I got to modesty. work with uh, uh, Jonas Fjeld. Have yeah. you heard of him? Yes. Yep. Um, I know his uh, his backing band from the okay. States. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, 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 Chatham, Ch- Chatham County, uh, Chatham County, Line, Chatham County yeah. Line, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got to work with that guy. I helped him plan his uh, Christmas concert in 2015. With uh, with Judy Collins? Uh, no, this was okay. before that. Um, this was when uh, they're called the East Coast Inspirational Singers. It's a huge vocal group, uh, gospel uh, vocal group and choir out of Harlem. And uh, the guy that runs that is an old family friend of mine. We went to church together in Ohio. And since then, he's moved to Harlem. Uh, so... I had, uh, it was four male singers from the East Coast Inspirational Singers. Uh, and, and I'm talking down home, uh, 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 black gospel singing. The real deal stuff. With yeah. Jonas Fjeld. What a combination. And it went, I'm, I, 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 I thought of it. It was my idea to do this. And thank cool. God that he jumped on it. And then thank God two times over that it worked. Yeah. It was beautiful. There's some tapes sitting. Uh, uh, Jonas Field has them. Uh, and I hope he does something with it. Yeah. There's, that was all recorded. And I hope he does something with I've it. I've heard so much beautiful. about him. Yeah. Guy's an excellent songwriter. Uh, got to write a couple songs uh, uh, with him, for him. Oh, that's cool. And um, I've seen him on TV and stuff. And it's just, yeah. I guess I'm, I'm kind of going down memory lane here. But my point is, is that people like him are accessible. And again, like you were saying earlier, they're just real people. They're mm-hmm. just people, and they are. And Norway makes these people easily accessible because it's such a small country, and then an even smaller music environment. But the curse, so that's the blessing, but the curse side of that is, is the gatekeepers. The managers, the the producers, the record company execs here in Norway, sometimes they get in the way of some real talent. Right, okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen that yet. I don't know if you will see that, but sometimes... That is a big problem. There's some wonderful well, talent the out there. Music industry in a whole uh, but seems like worldwide. it is, but it's magnified here really, in Norway yeah. because you might have a manager who manages three of the top five pop artists. So what are they going to do? They're going to do everything they can to make sure that their artists get you know the gigs, get on television, you know, get the best gigs mm-hmm. and whatnot, and that is really felt by the people that are a little bit further down that evolutionary chain that maybe don't have that good manager. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's blessing and curse. Mm-hmm. But I think for what we're doing, we're mostly going to see the blessing of it. The good people, you know, yeah, yeah. the fun times and the, the, the good local venues. We are so fortunate to live here where we do. There's, yeah. there's a good handful of places to play. Yeah. And I heard a lot about Oslo. I haven't got to get up there. I've seen well, yeah, all the say, big John D. If we get tired of what's happening here. Yeah. 30 it's, minutes. It's, it's a bang. 30, 40 minute drive. Mm. To, I went to a lot of co- big concerts there yeah. recently. And, um, yeah. 
Yeah, tons of big concerts. But. So, um, I don't know. I predict that something big is going to happen for you. Oh, you heard it here first, ladies You heard it here first. Um, I want to ask you real quick before we wind this up. I always have my guests uh, do a little bit of work for me. All right. So, I'm going to ask Give you. Give me a paintbrush. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to do two things right. for me. Uh, the first thing I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to say three words, and I want you to finish the sentence. All right. One sentence, Okay. Out of those three words? I'm going to say the first three words, and then you finish the sentence. Okay. So put a period at the end of it, okay? okay? Derek DeBono is? Uh, happy. That's <laughs> it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the first thing that just popped in my head. Yeah, but isn't that uh, good enough? Yeah, that is. Hey, man, that is. Um, isn't that good enough? My goal, you know, yeah. they asked John Lennon, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, happy. Yeah. Right? Is, yeah. Or did I quote yeah. that right? Yeah. So uh, that is just the first thing that came to my head. And um, you seem like a satisfied yeah. dude. You're not. I'm extremely one thing for anything. Are you? No. Um, no. Your humility is a little intact. more sleep. <laughs> a little more sleep these days, and it's gonna get but worse no, in a yeah, while. Yeah. But, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, really, I'm happy. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Career's good, and uh, family's good, and get awesome. to play music and awesome. Not struggling, you know. That's why somebody once told me you'll never make it in music because you're not struggling. Uh, <laughs> and they were probably right. Um, uh, you're not struggling, and you don't need to make it. No. Oh, that's too philosophical. I know, I know, that's but he was he was kind of right. But you know, yeah, what? I feel I like it. I have made it music because. Well, if you're satisfied, then you've made you know, it. And a lot of a lot of the you big know. guys. I mean, imagine if you couldn't, if you were so big that you couldn't play a small cafe. And, and you know, Clapton, they say he, he used to get off stage and he would get in a taxi and say, and would get a strat and say, "Bring me to the blues club." And he wanted to play there, and that's where it's really happening. Yeah. You know those big big stages I've played on before, and your yeah. bass player's way over there, and your keyboard yeah. player's right over there, and you don't see anybody because the lights. That's not what I'm in it for. I like playing little small yeah. places. Yeah, Maybe I'm saying that because I never made it big, but I love no, I those think, small places, man. I love yeah, the, seeing the people that yeah. are looking at your foot and seeing what you're doing and all this and it's like different. seeing their eyes. It's yeah. different. It's, it's better in mm -hmm. so many ways. You know, there's not so much glory, but that glory can cloud the realness of mm -hmm. a good moment, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So you know, I, I like the old stories of like uh, Neil Young in the mid '70s. He would take uh, Crazy Horse and go to the dive bars along the California mm -hmm. coast. Yeah, you know, nowhere near San Francisco or Los Angeles, but every place in between, and yeah. just play. Wouldn't yeah. even announce it. He'd just show up and and play for three or four yeah. hours. There's something satisfying. There must be something satisfying yeah. about that. I if mean, he was doing it. We were doing. Shaggy Grace was doing. We had our own little houseboat at a place called the Cove in Amsterdam, and there the houseboat was on land. But that's where we sold those tickets yeah. for Air, Airbnb, and and it was big before Airbnb. But they jumped on it, and they still yeah. then then it was more of like a revenue stream. Um, but uh, thirty five people come to those gigs, and thirty five people love your band. Um, we could open something up something beautiful about that. And 35 people, you change their day. Like people say, man, you really changed my day. I was grumpy today. And then I saw, uh, saw you guys play and you're making faces, your banter on stage and everything. Um, you know, and, and that's what I loved. I could make 35 people love, we can yeah. make 35 people love us, or you can play a opening act for, you know, a place with 10,000 yeah. and maybe 20 people actually paid attention right, to you if you're right. the support act, you know? Right. So, right. so, yeah, that's, uh, I just, uh, if I can change people's day and then that was what's great about running a music store. If you could, me and my dad selling 
people instruments and my whole family worked there, but you know, me and my dad were the musicians and uh, I've changed a lot of people's lives that became musicians because we were so enthusiastic about it. And oh, that it. gives me like, you know, yeah. gives me chills now that some friends that I've walked up in gigs and they're like, Derek DeBono came in. He's the reason I'm on congas right now, well, you know? And, and then that's like, I've done, I've done my job. I can leave now. You telling know? me these stories, the world. <laughs> these telling me these stories, hearing these stories is just a confirmation that I was right. You're just a good dude. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the feeling is mutual. So, uh, that's my mother's fault. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll say thank you, but it's all her fault. Anything good in me is her fault. Yes. Yeah, so same here. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely gives the, my wall. The second thing I'd like to ask you to do for me, again, I put people to work. I have them do two things for me. Uh, so thank you for answering or, or finishing my sentence. The second thing is, uh, like I told you, the people who I invite on here are people who I am curious about, people who interest me, people I feel can teach me something, um, uh, lift me up in one way or another. And you definitely do that for me, and I'm a better person for having had you here now and having had this experience. Can you look into the camera over there and say something that you think people out there might be able to hear and then take with them as they go through this struggle called life? It's a struggle for everybody to one degree or another. Uh, everybody needs a helping hand. Everybody needs some good advice. Can you say something? Um. Yeah, I would just uh in there's a good there's a good uh quote that I always loved and it's wherever you're at there you are. Hmm. I don't know if somebody said that but my dad used to say that to me. Um and you know, you can be the richest man in the world no matter where you're at. You know, your car breaks down, you're still on the side of the street whether you're the richest man in the world or the poorest man. So just be happy where you're at cuz that 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 whole situation can change in a second, and you you see, you see celebrities who are not happy, and they have everything. Um, so, just realize, you know, these are the good old days uh, that you're living right now. Uh -huh. um, these are the good old days. Um, enjoy them right now, and and you can also enjoy them later, looking back. But yeah, wherever you're at, there you are. I love it. Wise and good advice from a wise and good man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, before I cut you loose, is there anything you would like to promote? Anything that you're doing? Any gig dates? I know you yeah. mentioned them in passing yeah. in the conversation, but if you say it now, yeah. um, um, people, yeah. it'll, it'll kind of stick in their heads. What's coming up for you? Uh, the biggest one is, um, well, I'm doing the... the the featured act that kind of opens up the open mic on the 26th, that November 26th at Kulturhus, uh, Drum and Kulturhus. And, um, but the big gig uh, is the Leadfoot show, which is December 8th. I'm the support act. So I'm going to get up there and. Also at Kulturhus. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's December 8th. Leadfoot, I heard, is a legend. Really cool music. That exit TV show, he did this yes. music for that. Yeah. So um, I'm already thinking of jokes for that. I should be practicing, but uh, I already know I'm going to screw up something, so I'm thinking yeah. of a joke, joke to loosen up the crowd. Uh, I wake up in the middle uh, of the night like, ooh, I could say this. This is just dumb enough to... Uh, so yeah, that. And also um, I need space in the house because I have 2,000 records, and uh, I got about 100 of them. 200 are my own, so please go to DerekDeBonoMusic.com 
or just come to my gigs and uh, buy an album. I got them over there. I meant to bring them. Uh, it's in my book bag over there. But oh. I have awesome artwork on the last on the the first one. Just picture me and my sister. But the artwork on this last one's um, really awesome. Um, so I'm really proud of it. But I, I got them on vinyl, and and they take up a lot of space. So please come to the gig. Um, I got the, Vips now. And, and the website again is DerekDebonoMusic.com. That, that's D E R E K D E B as in boy O N O dot com. Yeah, music.com. Yeah. Music. Derek Debono Music. Derek Debono I'm sorry. Yep. Maybe so. I should just be quiet and let this man No, say. that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I would have forgot how to spell my own name, so, <laughs> so it's okay. I'm glad you helped out there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Derek so we, we got records, uh, T-shirts, um, stickers, the whole nine yards. Now you guys know where to find him online. Go there, support his work. You know where he's coming up uh, here in the next uh, few weeks with some live performances. Go there, get it, support him. Uh, and spread the word. This is Derek DeBono, you guys, uh, my friend and brother. Thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you, John. Thank it, was you. A, it was a pleasure, man. I love you, man. I really Thanks. enjoyed it. Love Thanks you a too. lot. Bye, everybody. Bye.